welcome to episode 117 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, welcoming in a brand new year of podcasting, is my co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, how has 2018 been treating you thus far? Hello. Uh, so far, so good. We are four days in the nice. new year. Yeah. Um, work-wise, my boss's boss hasn't talked to me yet this year. That could be a plus. <laughs> it could be a minus. Uh, okay. But uh, I feel invigorated, rejuvenated. I feel rebirthed. Excellent. Well, so I shed my 2017 skin yeah. and I'm ready to uh, catch some infections in 2018. Absolutely. I thought I, I thought I saw your skin laying around the other day. So yeah, I'm glad to know. I, I tried it. it. It had a weird like uh, um, like orangey taste to it that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. So Yeah, just just put some ketchup on it. It's fine. Yeah, generally. Yeah. Well, that is – I'm glad to hear that. And uh, we hope that all of our listeners had an excellent holiday season as well. And we're thrilled to be back, back here in 2018, starting off our brand new Scandinavian horror arc today as we are going to review 2005's Next Door, putting that Wishmaster arc behind us, which I'm not uh, not complaining about. So far behind. <laughs> and we are also going to move on to round 47 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge with the review of Happy Birthday to Me from 1981 and 2012's Looper. But that's not all. Since this is the first episode of 2018, we've got a ton of other stuff to talk about today as well, including our top five film discoveries and our one worst film discovery of 2017. And we're also going to discuss our 2018 media goals. So buckle up. And let's get going. Uh, yeah, this is usually my favorite episode of the year because we yeah. get to divulge our past findings. New things are happening. It's a metamorphosis. We're all molting together. Absolutely. <laughs> this is this is going to be a great year for molting. So let's do it. I, I don't need no ketchup for your skin. Yeah, thank you. I, I have been uh, I have been salting, so I appreciate you noticing. Mm-hmm. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about how you can find us on social media. You can find us still at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. I swear to God, one day I'm going to give that number out and someone's going to actually use it, Mark. I promise. Oh, it will be me. <laughs> oh man and you can also check out our long list of past reviews and all 117 podcast episodes right on over at cinefessions.com also if you're a fan of the show please do us a huge favor leave us a review on itunes those itunes reviews are essential to helping us grow so we uh, thank you in advance for your support there and if you do enjoy us please let your friends know about us if you tell your friends about us, they might listen and they might give us a chance and maybe they'll enjoy us too. And the more people that listen to us, the more fun we can have. So if you if you do like what we do every week, please just let your friends know about us and uh, give us that support, whether it's that way or by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen. And uh, we thank you guys very much for that. And last but not least, as we announced uh, in the last arc, make sure you head over to cinefessions.com and take a vote right in that right-hand sidebar to help us decide which film we are going to review in week six of this Scandinavian horror arc. 
You can choose between Troll Hunter, Thale, Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead, and Let the Right One In. So definitely head over to Cinefessions.com to let your voice be heard there. Now, Mark, you might remember that in the last episode, I said that I should go in and see what our averages were for our ARC reviews in 2017. Do you remember that? I do. Fantastic. Well, I happen to do just that. And so here are some really dumb and uh, geeky results that I have for you, okay? Okay. So in 2017, we released 42 main Cinefessions podcast episodes, and we released our first special edition episode for a total of 43 podcasts. That's crazy. We, I know. We reviewed 49 different films and one television series, that being Glow, which is not technically a television series, but it's you know a Netflix original series, so that counts for a t- TV series. Mm-hmm. Of those... I gave a score on all 50 pieces. You gave a score uh, for 45 of the 50 pieces. And Ash gave a score for 30 of the 50. Okay. So Ash's average rating for 2017 based on his 30 reviews. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? Take a guess. Uh, well, we... His average rating. Okay. Oh, man. I'm thinking him. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't usually have the same taste in film that we do, mm-hmm. I would say his average rating is 2.5 out of 4. Okay. What do you think yours is My, out of those 45 reviews? Well, since I'm the Kenny Omega of uh, this podcast, <laughs> I'd probably have to see a 6, 6 plus. Oh, man. Um, I would have, okay, for, so so for Ash, um, you know what? I'm going to go with, because we're doing decimals and fractions and stuff like that. Yeah, we are. We are, yeah. I'm going to go I'm gonna go 2.63 for Ash. And for myself, I'm going to go uh, 2.78. And and what, what about me? Since you're, since you're doing so well, what about me? Uh, for you, you seem to be more lenient. <laughs> um, so. I'm going to go 3.21. Wow. Okay. So I am, I'm, I'm kind of blown away how close you were on Ash's number. Really? Ash's average was 2.62 <laughs> out of four. <laughs> okay. That's ridiculous how close you were. <laughs> you, yeah? for your average rating in 2017, based on your 45 reviews, was 2.52 out of four. Worse? So actually lower. Wow. I'm a curmudgeon. Yes, oh. and and my average rating, yeah. you were right in saying that it was the highest, okay. but not by a ton. We were all super close. It was 2.71 out of four. Oh, the champion. So we're all within 0.2 of each other pretty much, which is pretty remarkable. But Well, well that's, that's interesting how close we are together. You yeah, know, I know. We are becoming a hive mind. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. We're borking it up yeah, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And so the average uh, podcast review score for, for the entire show was 2.62 out of four, which happens to match um, Ash's average because I only went to the second decimal point. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was that was cool. I, I love geeky statistics like that and everything. So, so yeah. we are still showing films that are above average. Yes. So yep. that's that's exactly. out of and still that's out of four, not out of five. So that's almost mm-hmm. three. So yeah, it's it yeah. just shows that we are enjoying what we're reviewing for the most part. 
Right, which is important for uh, our sanity. So <laughs> uh, you got that right. Yeah. Interestingly, though, one last bit of statistics here. Ash gave no 0.5 star rating. He gave none of those. And he only gave one one star rating. And he gave three four star ratings. So he was very much uh, in the middle. He didn't have a lot of extremes. Yeah. I, I only gave one half a star rating. Okay. And I gave five four star ratings. Okay. But you, uh-huh. who was the lowest average, you gave three 0.5 star ratings, uh-huh. but you gave eight four star ratings. Holy shit. Yeah. So very interesting. You were definitely more uh, to the extremes than uh, Ash was. And I was kind of just in the middle of you two. Yeah. But yeah, so it's interesting. If I could Google fast enough and uh, pull up some vanilla ice lyrics, because I am to the extreme, um, I would have, <laughs> but I'm holding a big Canadian beer in my hands. So I'm not gonna, but the, the thought crossed my mind. Uh, well, I do rock I'm the mic like you. a vandal. <laughs> I don't have the rest. We we know we know ice ice baby you do yes mm. yes it is oh man so with those with those geeky stats out of the way Mark mm-hmm. what have you been doing these past couple weeks in the world of media or whatever the hell you want to talk about oh uh, well since we haven't talked since Christmas um, so Merry Christmas Happy New Year uh, yes you as well I, I've eaten a lot of Christmas chocolates. Um, I'm not sure if we can do a separate <laughs> podcast on just the the uh, different tastes of hazelnut in Christmas chocolate. Um, I ha- I have watched a lot of movies. I am happy to report I have been able to finish my Alpha Dezuda Alpha Challenge, which Woo! we'll discuss future endeavors later on. Uh, but I did yep. finish with two days uh, to spare, which is kind of oh, scary yes. because heading into September – I had a pretty <laughs> – I was doing pretty good. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's because I went with Netflix for like a month and a half. And I was able to watch a lot of stuff, you know, during peak hours at work. Right. Um, yeah. So then, you know, when I'm stuck on a physical media, I kind of have to watch it at home. Especially the last run, which was all DVDs. And I'm like, these are getting kind of bottom-of-the-barrel DVDs. Um, I can't bring them all to work. And thank God I didn't. Holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so, so I, I did watch um, a few. Um, I'll, I'll discuss a few I've already posted. I still have a few left that I haven't posted. Uh, today being the uh, fourth, I just posted my uh, W, or in in you know military terms, my whiskey film. Um, <laughs> but one that I was kind of not looking forward to watch just because of cover art, which is a huge problem with me. Because I will judge a book by its cover. And this has pretty shitty art. It's called Tenement. It's from 1985. uh, Directed by uh, Roberta Findlay. Who did a lot of uh, exploitation and adult films prior to uh, filming this. Um, This has an X rating. Which I had no idea. And if I would have known, I would have been a lot more excited to get to this film. Right. Because <laughs> it got an X for violence. So not for pornography. Oh, wow. Not, yeah, not for penetration, for fucking violence. So, wow. yeah, um, it was pretty awesome. This movie, uh, so, hmm. so I'm going into this blind, and I think I got this DVD 
years ago when I bought this lot of Blu-rays or a lot of DVDs from a guy off the room work board. I, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. this was um, one of them because I don't remember buying this. And uh, holy shit. So it's about this this street gang. Or they're in New York um, in some slum. Street gang is um, has invaded an apartment building and is uh, living in the basement. One of the tenants calls the cops on them. They get they get thrown into jail. They get released the same day, and then they want to uh, attack the people living in the apartment as payback. But before they do this, they smoke dope. They smoke angel dust, PCP. So they're high as fuck, and they go from apartment to apartment, floor to floor. They practically kill everybody in the apartment building. Um, mm. Now, yeah, um, sounds awesome. Sounds like an awesome 80s exploitation, exploitation flick. It is an awesome 80s exploitation flick. This is one of the only like exploitation mm. movies I've seen where the, the worst thing of the exploitation film is the actual poster art. I talked about Future Kill a while back earlier uh, last month and how the poster was the best part. The poster here is the worst part. The film fucking delivers. Um, (laughs) But now again, rated X for violence. I'm very happy. I didn't bring this to work to watch overnight with my coworker (laughs) because there's one real violent uh, rape scene. And uh, it's, it's, pretty horrific it's like a gang rape and there's a broom involved it is not pretty um still as as tastefully as one can shoot a scene like that it wasn't Mm -hmm. and even though it's x-rated it's not like you're getting close-ups you know it's just the uh you 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 see motion but you don't see you don't see end result if that makes any sense you know what i mean Mm um yeah so yeah it is rated x but it's really good. I really recommend this film. If you're into that, if you're not into exploitation films, if you don't like Cannibal Holocaust because, you know, they kill animals and so on, don't see this, you know. But mm-hmm. for myself, I like, I'll be honest, this last run of movies, I was kind of watching my phone, <laughs> looking at the clocks and how much time I had left. <laughs> not with this movie. I loved every moment of it. It was fantastic. Okay, okay, love every moment. Uh, again, some scenes are hard to swallow, but just in general, the vibe of the film, it it it's, it was solid. Like this is a 42nd Street exploitation grindhouse film worth looking for. Um, it's actually got a Blu-ray release, which if I can double dip, I probably would. Um, yeah, now oh, this nice. DVD does have an interview and a commentary track with the director, Roberta Finley. Um I have not had the chance to go back to rewatch that with the commentary. It's something I do want to mm-hmm. check out because I want to know what what the director thinks when filming a film like this, or you know, reviewing her work right. years later, what she thinks of the film. Um, this movie makes me very curious ab- about these these topics. So very cool. I totally mm-hmm. recommend that. Um, so it was really good. Uh, so. So let's go something awesome. a little more tamer here. Uh, have you had a chance to watch Star Wars: The Last Jedi? No, I haven't okay, gone to so the theater I yet. So I will not talk about Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, what I will say is that again, <laughs> um, I was able to avoid spoilers. A lot of the articles Good. 
once the film came out, were very negative about the film. You know, there was that petition on change.org, how to remove this film from the canon of the series, which I think is fucking ridiculous. Um, apart from one yeah, moment I found kind of peculiar, I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. Now, I've only seen it the one time. Good. I want to see it again. I'll probably only see it on Blu-ray when it comes out, just because there's a lot of movies in the theaters that uh, I want to see, and I've only gone to the movies once last month. So... I got some catching up to do on mm. Tuesday, but uh, um, yeah. I, I liked it. I didn't love it, but same thing with with uh, uh, the Force Awakens. Actually, Force Awakens, I, I didn't love it either. But I'm really enjoying this this new trilogy that they're doing, um, and I just don't yeah. see all the hate unless you're a racist. Because let's be honest, in this movie, the bad guys are white males. Everybody else or minorities or women, <laughs> I don't care. I'm entertained. Right. I yeah. I just, I love this. Hell, the Admiral is a fucking fish. So do I care if a character is Latino or black? <laughs> Not really, you know? Right. Um, so again, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I think it's it's it pairs well with uh, The Force Awakens. I can't wait for the next one. So I'll leave that as that. Um, Very good. One movie that's not part of any any challenge or anything. Uh, we had uh, people over for a Christmas movie night that we watched Die Hard and we watched Gremlins, and then oh, cool. uh, yeah, then one of uh, Melissa and I's mutual friends, uh, he is uh, a boylesque dancer or performer, I should say. Uh, he does a, uh, what is it? A boylesque, so it's so it's a guy that does uh, burlesque and and drag and stuff like that. Wow. Okay, yeah, so I've never heard that term before. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's 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 a male burlesque dancer. And uh, he brought Hair from 1979, the musical. Oh, okay. H- have you seen it? I've I've not. No, I've heard so much about it, but I've actually never sat down and watched yeah. it. I know some of the songs. I'd never sat down to watch yeah. the uh, the uh, musical. So we did. And uh, fuck, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, Good. I, I just knew that like the play had nudity, which, mm-hmm. um, and there's like full frontal. Um, not not this film. A uh, film by uh, Milo's Foreman. Uh, it stars John Savage, which people might know him from The Deer Hunter. Um, I know him from Carnosaur 2. That's just the way <laughs> I grew up. Uh, right. So I'm like, hey, that's the guy from Carnosaur 2. Because I still have not yet seen <laughs> The Deer Hunter. Uh, so John Savage is in it. He's really young. Because this movie is from 79. So it's uh, 38 years old. We're turning 39 this year. Um, also... Playing George Berger, Treat Williams. I know Treat Williams from The Substitute Two and Three, and I know him from Deep uh, Deep Rising. I did not know him from this film with a musical background. The guy can sing, <laughs> and he has the nicest head of hair I have ever. Seen. I wish at that age, whatever how old he was at the time. I wish I'd hair like that. It was a fucking lion's mane. It was quite, <laughs> it was, I, I, I was, I was very jealous. Um, also, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, she plays Sheila Franklin in the film, uh, best known for the, uh, uh, vacation series from National Lampoons. Um, you see her naked in this. So if anybody wants to see her naked, she is naked in this movie. Um, I really like the story. Um, I did not know anything about the story. Again, only knowing a few songs from the musical, I liked it a lot. Worth checking out if you like musicals. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, 
I'm just going to talk about a few more. Um, I'm not going through everything I've seen because we've missed, uh, you know, we haven't uh, talked in two weeks and uh, I've seen quite a few films. Um, I watched mm-hmm. off of Netflix, Once Upon a Time in Venice from 2017 uh, with uh, Bruce Willis, John Goodman and Jason Momoa. Okay. It's a take on John Wick in a way where a guy uh, lost his dog to a bad guy and wants to get the dog back. So he does all this shit just for a dog. Hmm. Um, it's okay. Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis. And I've kind of soured on Bruce Willis ever since I heard that he was a dink to uh, Kevin Kevin Smith during Cop Out. So to me, his more recent work, I've kind of soured. Or I guess his work from the last decade. I just, I I take it with a grain of salt because apparently he's, a, he's an asshole in real life. So that kind of still translates to any film role he does. Hey, I love Die Hard. <laughs> I love The Fifth Element. But anything cop out and past that, I'm not as much of a fan. Um, so the film is yeah. just okay, but the movie is saved by John Goodman because he's John Goodman. And I can you think of a bad John Goodman performance? No, no. it doesn't exist. Exactly, right? Um, so he's awesome. Uh, Jason Momoa, again. So I've never seen Game of Thrones, which is something I'm going to rectify this year. Um, so I know Jason Momoa uh, pretty much just from pictures online because girls like to tweet pictures about him because they find him good looking. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know he was in Game of Thrones because I, have, too, have not watched Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, so he's in. He, he He's like, whatever. I, I don't know what he is because I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, I just know him as Aquaman. Well, and that's the thing. I know him from Aquaman. And uh, oh, I also from The Bad Batch. He was actually pretty good in The Bad Batch. But seeing The Bad Batch and then seeing Aquaman and him being one of the better things from Justice League, because I love Gal Gadot and I really like Jason Momoa as Aquaman, which uh, surprises me because I don't think I would have liked Aquaman as a character in general because of Entourage. Um, but these two char- these two guys actually really saved the film for me because Momoa plays a gangbanger and he's actually quite funny. And Goodman is John Goodman. So... That's two pluses. It it takes out Bruce Willis's negative. So to me, it's uh, it's it's okay. It's like a I give it like two and a half out of four stars because yeah. of Momoa and Goodman. Uh, but you take those two guys right. out, and the movie's kind of garbage. So take it as you will. Um, but it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's free on Netflix. So th- that's that. Um, so Insidious the. I guess the the last key it's called. I don't think it's chapter four. So the new Insidious movie comes right. out this weekend. I loved Insidious one. I liked Insidious two. I bought Insidious three. I had never watched it, so I did. Yeah. I can now say I love Insidious chapter three. It's really fucking good. Yeah, it's it's fucking oh. awesome. I love yeah, it too. So there's no there's no Patrick Wilson, which I'm a big fan of. Um, but we got more mm-hmm. of uh, we've got more Leigh Whannell. Uh, he wrote and directed this film, and I believe he stars in it as well. He's one of the uh, one of the nerds, if I remember correctly here. Right. Uh, but uh, yep. uh, Lynn Shea is back. So it's a kind of a prequel because it's five years before um, Insidious 1. Uh, yeah, everyone knows there. He's Specs. So Specs and uh, Tucker are back. Uh, Elsie's back. And really, with just those three core characters, you're going to have a good Insidious movie. But... Um, the mm-hmm. main character in this one, Quinn Brenner, played by uh, Stephanie Scott. She's fantastic. I like Dermot Mulroney in this film. I thought the 
demon in the movie was really creepy. Uh, I legit jumped twice in the film. Um, I don't want to ruin it. So, you know, in case those have not seen it yet, but I legit jumped twice. They're jump scares. They Mm -hmm. weren't like, you know, scary and atmospheric, but whatever. They're jump scares. I jumped, you know, and I think you probably know. Yeah, they got me good. Exactly. Um, I also love in these films where what's creepy about it is that some scenes will kind of linger for a few moments too long with absolutely no Mm -hmm. score whatsoever. It's just silence. I Mm -hmm. love that. Um, So this hit me in all the right spots. I loved Insidious Chapter 3. I'm hoping to go next week and watch Chapter 4. So big points on that for me. Uh, Last two I'll talk about. Um, One, it's this indie movie, which I'd never heard of before. Uh, Right now, uh, our mutual friend, Melissa's friend, Adam, is uh, staying with us for the week. And he told me about this movie called The Dirties from 2013. Have you, have oh, you heard yeah. of this? You I've have. Seen this one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for yeah. those who don't know, I'd never heard of it before, but it's about these two film geeks. They make this film for, for their film class or the multimedia presentation, whatever. Um, and they're, they're the class nerds, I guess people pick on them a lot. So they want to do a sequel and uh, they're like, well, what if instead of, you know, because the first film they do is about shooting all the bullies in, in school. How about for the sequel, we actually shoot the bullies in school. So it's a Columbine copycat style film. Um, interesting. I still don't know if I like it yet. It, it, I, it had some funny moments, but it's also very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently what Adam told me is that uh, Kevin Smith, going back to uh, Bruce Willis here, Kevin Smith apparently saw this film in a uh, film fest, liked it so much that he wanted to distribute the film. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Right. Which, yeah. That, that is pretty cool. That. Um, again, the film is shot kind of uh, documentary style. Not mock you, but docu. We, uh, we follow the two best friends doing the film. And then there's a third never seen cameraman that's a school buddy as well. And, uh, yeah, um, interesting. I'm still debating if I like it or not yet. I, I know I know for sure I'm not going to watch it anytime soon again. Right, right. Yeah, I couldn't remember what I gave it. And uh, apparently it was old enough when I watched it that I didn't uh, have it on Letterboxd. Um, but I do have my IMDb rating of 7 out of 10. So... Uh, oh, you, know, you do have it on Litterbox. Oh, is it there? I couldn't find it. Uh, yeah, let me go back here. And I said, I gave it three out of five stars. Yeah. And yeah. you gave it two and a half. You two gave half? it two and a half stars out of five. Oh. And that's how uh, one of my weird. Yeah. And one of my good friends, Mike, uh, Mike Hassler. Hi, Mike. He gave it five out of five. Oh, so okay. I'd like to talk to him about that, see why he gave it such a high score. Right. Um, but hey, some movies hit people in, you know, specific ways. Right. This one was interesting. Um, I can really appreciate it. I like the, I like the performances. Um, but it's not a movie that I'd watch over and over again. That's for sure. Yeah. And last one I'm going to talk about before I hand it over to you. Movie-wise. Um, last night, couldn't sleep. Decided to watch a movie on Netflix. Wanted to pick something off my list. I watched Bushwick from 2017. Pardon me, I'm burping, burping beer. Uh, Bushwick, <laughs> it stars uh, Dave Bautista and Brittany Snow. 
And it's about Britney Snow and her boyfriend. Uh, they're heading to Bushwick to um, to have her boyfriend meet their grandmother for the first time. And as they're leaving the subway station, um, a a oh, I don't wanna, I don't want to spoil it. A fully clad in black army starts um, taking people off the streets and then starts shooting people. So do you remember there's a game that came out? Okay, how about this? Um, it reminded me a lot of Red Dawn. Okay. So this invading force just fucking arrives in Bushwick and just starts attacking people. Hmm. And it escalates from there. Gotcha. Um, on her way, she meets uh, Dave Batista's character. If I remember, his name was uh, Stoop. Yeah. Former army medic. Tries to help her to get to her grandma's house. So it's kind of like Red Dawn meets the warriors in a way because they're trying to get to, a, you know, back to Coney Island. She's trying to get to her grandmother's. And then also, you know, Red Dawn with uh, this invading force just attacking people, civilians in the street. So yeah. it's interesting. Um I liked it. Didn't love it. I thought for a, so I don't know where this comes from. Um, it says TVMA. So obviously it never went to theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't see a, uh, a budget on this, but uh, so I'm assuming it's direct to video. It looked pretty good. Uh, the special effects were pretty decent. Um, uh, I, I guess just uh, uh, product wise, it was a very sharp looking show. I just, I wasn't fully enthralled in it, but I do like the idea of these types of films. So I thought it was, it was okay. Uh, I think I gave it like three out of five. So um, okay. it's just above average for me. Um, yeah. Sounds so, interesting. Sounds like it'd be right up my alley. Cause I love yeah. Dylan, but yeah, so, and the so it's, on, it's on Netflix, Canada. I don't know if it's on Netflix us. We seem to be getting movies before you guys, Yeah, uh, which I think that makes Netflix Canada better. So if you want to get a VPN to get our shit, go right ahead. Um, but <laughs> movie-wise, I think that's all I want to talk about uh, because uh, I've seen more, but I don't want to keep rambling all night. Um, uh, TV-wise, I finished. I started and finished Glitch Season 2. Um, I'm still working on Punisher with Melissa. I think we're seven or eight episodes in. And I just started Hemlock Grove Season 3. So, I th- oh, and I'm up to date with uh, the Grand Tour, the, uh, the guys from Top Gear on yeah. Amazon. So a new episode comes out on Friday when the podcast gets released. Ah, oh, we should do a, a co-episode. Um, but yeah, so I, I've watched the first, <laughs> I think, three episodes, four episodes. I think we're at four episodes now. So I'm up to date with that. And uh, that's about it for me. Fantastic. Sounds yeah. like a good couple of weeks there. It's been pretty decent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so myself, I uh, have not been watching too terribly much on um, – Christmas, I did watch Home Alone and uh, Santa Claus 2, the Santa Claus 2, just because I hadn't seen, I've seen the Santa Claus a thousand times because it came out right when I was, you know, that of that age that would love that. Mm-hmm. And, um, or well, I guess my sister was probably more that age, but I was watching what she was. So watched that one a lot. Have never seen the second one. And uh, my coworker saying that was like, one of her favorite Christmas movies. So decided I'd give that a shot. And actually it has, um, ah, shit, I'm not going to remember her name. Uh, the uh, lead actress or one of the main characters from uh, Lost, who is actually in uh, the Purge election year. He's like the main 
character in Purge election year? Uh, the, oh, the blonde, uh, the one blonde, that's yeah. the one that's, you know, like who's vying for being a senator or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, she was in uh, oh, Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh, okay. oh, Elizabeth yes, Mitchell. yes, I like her. Yeah. She's also. Oh, what else is she from? She's in like Gia, I know, or Gia, whatever with uh, with uh, with uh, Angela Jolie. Angela Jolie, yeah, yeah, Gia. Uh, she's in, yeah, she's, she's in a lot of things. stuff, yeah. Yeah, but I know her from Lost, and I hate her character Juliet in Lost. And so whenever I see her on screen, I'm like, oh god, like I just don't like her. But I really liked her in Purge Election Year, and I thought she was really good in Santa Claus too. Uh, it's obviously it's a holiday family film, you know, not much to talk about with it, but it was a lot better than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen Santa Claus three, and I don't like that one. That one's a lot goofier and just kind of stupid. But uh, this one I would definitely put up there with uh, with the original. So I enjoyed that. Um, Home Alone, and then the day after Christmas, I actually watched Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, because I want to do a series review, and so I've started, I wrote reviews for those two. Um, now I just have to get my hands on 3, 4, and 5, because yes, there are five movies in the Home Alone series. Really? But, yeah. I've seen Home Alone 3, because my family and I went to go see that in theaters okay. when that came out, um, and it's actually pretty good. I like that one, but I've not seen 4. I didn't even know, I thought The Holiday Heist was the fourth movie. But that's not. Holiday Heist is actually the fifth movie. And um, yeah, so I didn't even know there was a Home Alone 4. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird series. But probably all shit. But we'll see. So that's that's my plan here. And then upcoming weeks, I guess. I, whenever I can find them, I want to watch them. There's, there's no like DVD collection that's cheap of them. No Blu-ray collection of them. And so it's just going to be all digital uh, rentals. Which I'm not huge on, but we'll we'll have to do it that way. So. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and then uh, for Christmas, uh, I had an excellent Christmas. Uh, you can I, I did create a YouTube video with all of my uh, my gra- all the stuff I scored on Christmas. So definitely check that out on the, the Cinefessions YouTube page. If you want to check out everything I received for Christmas this year, all the media related things at least, and uh, the uh, I guess the, the the biggest things of note I did receive. A uh, the Batman Returns vinyl, which was released by Mondo. Oh, you did that? Yeah, yeah, it, that's badass. It it is the uh, the standard version of it, I guess you would call it. I don't know. Sure. Um, it's not the one that has like the news. I, I forget. There was another one that had like look like newspaper something with it. I don't okay. know. It's like the deluxe edition. This isn't that one. It's the standard, but it it's on black vinyl. The black vinyl looks great. Um. The cover art for it, though, of the actual release is like the such a, a big reason I wanted it because it's gorgeous. Uh, and like the gatefold looks beautiful as well. So super excited for that one. Um, and I did mention that you were talking about, you know, kind of some idea of mixing these vinyl soundtracks with these films and maybe some type of arc or some type of, of series, something. Yeah. Um, and so I've been kind of holding off with listening to the Batman Returns soundtrack, uh, which is, you know, obviously a very good D- Danny Elfman soundtrack. But uh, if we do that, that'll ha- that'll have to be something that we talk about at that point is uh, okay. Batman Returns just because it's accessible. Yeah, that would so. be fun. Absolutely. Uh, so I got that. And then um, uh, I had a bunch of other crap. But um, the big the big item for me this year was the Switch that I was talking about wanting on the yeah. last episode. So super yeah. excited. Yeah. And uh, I've been playing the hell out of it. Um, I absolutely love it. It is a great system. It's tons of fun. Uh, I ended up getting um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild from my wife. I haven't actually started that one yet, just because it's going to be such a time sink. Uh, But then my mother-in-law got me Super Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and Mario Plus Rabbids. 
Um, and so I got those. And then my wife also got me, uh, Bridge also got me like $100 in Nintendo eShop gift cards or whatever. And so I ended up buying NBA 2K18, which was on sale for 40. And then I grabbed Golf Story, which is like 15 bucks. So how is it? It's a game I want to get, but I've already got a backlog of Switch titles. So yeah, you know, and I I haven't played it yet, so I'm not sure. Uh, Okay. I've been stuck on the Mario titles. So I um, started with Super Mario Odyssey. And actually, the first the first Switch game I played was actually with you with uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That was like the first first I actually played of it, I believe. Yeah, because you were like, "Hey, you want to play Mario Kart?" And I was like, "Sure." So that was fun. Loved yeah. that. Um, but then after that, we, I started playing Super Mario Odyssey, and holy shit, it is it is fantastic. Um, I am definitely a 2D Mario guy. Like that's probably my favorite type of game to play is 2d mario i absolutely love them because that's just what i grew up with and everything but um this is really the first 3d mario i've played since mario uh, super mario 64 and i never owned it i didn't own it in 64 when it was new and so whenever i played mario 64 it was like for a little bit at my friend's house so i never like spent the time to beat the game um and frankly i still have never beat mario 64 but i want to go back now after playing odyssey i'm sure it'll be difficult just because the controls and you know kind of getting used to that older style is going to be difficult but um i mean odyssey really shines like it's so much fun it it has this almost like open world feel in the levels and you're searching for moons um and it's just like it, it got very frustrating at the end but not in a way that felt like it was unbeatable it just took practice, you know, and that and that's what I really love about it. Um, now, so I did beat that one. I think I had like a hundred and eighty something moons, or no, one hundred and seventy moons when I beat it, or something. One hundred and fifty. I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. Um, but something like that when I ended up beating the game. Um, but yeah, there's like nine hundred ninety nine to collect, which is never going to happen. But no kidding, you can always go back in. Yeah, that's what I that's what I heard at least. Okay. Um, yeah. So. With Odyssey, though, as um, you know, it feels like it's something that I could actually do. In, uh, you know, the difficulty level is the, it's the difficulty is present, but it's not something that I feel like is going to keep me from was would have kept me from beating the game. Blaster Master Zero I bought was on sale for seven dollars, so I bought that yeah. a couple of days ago. I don't know why I bought that. Like I played the demo, and I was having a hard time with the first level, and like I don't I don't know why I bought it. I shouldn't have. It's just I am not like I. In my mind, that is a game. Like it reminds me of like Mega Man meets like Metroid, mm-hmm. and I don't play those games because I suck at those games, and I don't find them fun because I can't do anything in them. One, I get lost in Metroid. Yeah. I get lost, and I fucking hate getting lost in video games. <laughs> it's just I hate that, and uh, which is why I think I prefer 2D Mario because it's you're going from point A to point B, and you know how to do it. Uh, there were some moments in Odyssey where I was like. Okay, now what do I do? And that bugged me, but still, still a fantastic game. You know, that's that's um, the first game I played on the Switch, and it's mm-hmm. so far because Zelda technically is the second game. You know, I'm really playing to finish. You know, yeah, Mario Kart. I'm playing when I can, just because you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, I finished Master Blaster Zero, and it's only on the last level where I discovered a button that shows you a map of your level. <laughs> so that's absolutely hilarious mark or geez chris texted me the same thing because he's he, was, he bought it okay. too and he's like i'm almost done with the game and i just discovered there's a map and i was like which oh, would have saved me so much frustration and backtracking 
uh, if I would have known ahead of time, because really, like it's this was an e game, right? Because you downloaded right to your to your Switch. There's no manual. Yep. Not that these physical games have any manuals either, but um, yeah, I just exactly. didn't realize that there was once you get the chip for the map for the level that you can actually mm-hmm. follow the map. So that yeah. once you get that chip, which is usually pretty early in the in the uh, in the levels, anyways. Mm-hmm. Or in the world, I should say, um, it makes you trekking through that level so much easier. Yeah. So uh, Chris pointed that out to me, so that's why I knew to to do that. And like, I didn't realize it in the first level, I guess. So I was kind of like, "Where the fuck do I go?" But then yeah. in the second level, like the metro or the city level, whatever the hell they call it, that one, I I used it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So if I actually pay attention and read what these what this is, okay, there's the boss. So then I could travel <laughs> there and do that. That makes sense. But yeah. I suck at video games, and this is what I've been talking about for months now. Like, I suck at video games, which is why I generally play on easier difficulties, because I play video games to have fun, and if it's too hard, I'm not having fun. And so why would I do that? But there's no difficulty level in something like Blaster Master Zero. And Mm -hmm. so these fucking bosses, I know it's all a fucking pattern. I understand that's a pattern, and you have to do that. But fuck me, it's not fucking happening. Like, I just (laughs) cannot get it. And it just pisses me off so much that I just like, I want to fucking throw something across the room. And that's, that's not, it's not worth it. It's just not fucking worth it. Yeah. I like, I, right now I'm, stuck, um, well, like, Ak- oh, fuck, I forget his name. It's this like spider looking thing with these giant arms. It's the second level's boss. Okay. And like, I know the idea you go in, you use, you use the bombs to like get rid of his arms and then you shoot him and you dodge, you dodge and you shoot. And then when his arms come back, you use the bomb again and then you dodge. I understand that completely, but it's not fucking working. Like my head knows what to do, but it's just not doing like, it's yeah. not manifesting itself. And it just, it, bo- it bugs me so much. And so I, I, I'm 100% certain I'm not going to beat that game, but it's, it's a fine game. Like it's fun when I'm not wanting to throw the controller across the room. Well, the reason why I bought in the first, uh, well, for the, you know, the reason why I bought it, um, yeah. is that like, I never had a Nintendo. I always had a Sega Master system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a game on the Nintendo that I always wanted to play. Um, so now that I got remastered for the switch, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to pick it up. I think I paid like 1299 for it when it first came out. It was one of the first like e games for the, for the switch when it came out last year. Um, so I was all over that. And, I think think they're called Nindies. So I'd appreciate ah, if you'd say the word Nindies. My apology. You know, that (laughs) is a new term in the last few months. Um, it's so stupid. Yeah. But you know what? Nindy games are fun because I also picked up Starview Valley, which I will eventually play. And yes, I still haven't played. I still have not played Wonder Boy Three, the monster, or the um, Dragon's Trap, which okay. I loved for the Sega Mass System, and now you can replay it oh. in new graphics or the original Sega Eight Bit graphics. Hmm. Once I'm done Zelda, that's the next game I'm jumping to, and then I'll do Mario Odyssey. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's so much good stuff for the Switch. I fucking love this platform. I love it. I didn't expect myself to use like the portable aspect of it at all. And like, mind you, I haven't left the house with my switch, Yeah, but I can have something on, on the TV and I can be playing my switch portable and it works like flawlessly. Like I have not seen really any difference between like the handheld mode and the TV and, and when it's docked. 
Yeah. Um, like I started playing Odyssey handheld. The only thing that was kind of frustrating is I was laying in bed mm-hmm. and uh, like you have to like, you can do motion controls with the, um, with the joy cons. Yeah. And so that was a little annoying, but other than that, it was totally fine. And I played the most, the majority of that game on the big screen just cause I wanted that experience. Sure. But uh, Mario Kart eight deluxe, I beat that one too, beat all 12, uh, Grand Prix circuits. Um, on so that one I was able to mark his beat 50 CC. No, 100 CC. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, normal, you know right? Normal. Well, I, I'm trying to get him on 150 CC right now, and then having a pickle of a time. And then you've got the mirror 150 CC, which is the same track but reverse. And then yeah. the 200 CC, fucking tough. I don't think I'll ever get all the trophies in the 200s. But my goal yeah. is to get everything up to the 200s, and to me, I'll consider mm-hmm. that beat. But yeah. just a multiplayer. I've played with my niece and nephew, um, you know, in person. I played against my buddy Paul um, mm-hmm. online, and the multiplayer yeah. games, like like the battle games, are so much fun. Oh, we, it, it, it's 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 a game that keeps on giving. That's awesome. Yeah, we you and I only did the races. We didn't do any of the battles, yeah. but I lo- I generally yeah. love the battle modes um, in Mario Kart. I, th- I still think Mario Kart sixty four had the best battle mode. Um, oh. But, Wait until you play it here. It, it's it's well, beautiful. If it's, I'm guessing it's the same as Mario Kart Eight on the on the Switch or on the Wii U. I'm guessing the battle modes are going to be the same. And uh, yeah, I would assume so. What I don't like about the about what I was playing on the Wii U uh, Mario Kart Eight yeah. was that like it basically was like a track that you go in the circle. I like like uh, my favorite stage of all time for Mario Kart game has to be the uh, I don't know what's called but like with the one where you're on like the has like the blue the red the yellow and the uh, oh the the, they've got that too the, the, there's tracks and then there's also uh, there's also like uh, like uh, like domes let's say like the original oh, okay. Mario Kart oh yeah so th- there's that as well yeah there, oh, there's good. there's tons of modes there's one where you have to pick up the most coins. Um, uh, it's, it's That's lots cool. of fun once you really dive into it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's what I've been playing mostly. Um, I have been watching a ton of YouTube just cause that's what I do. I don't have cable anymore. So I, when I have the TV on, it's generally going to be YouTube. Um, so yeah. Um, I think that's basically it. I didn't write down anything this week. Uh, so just kind of winging it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was basically all about the switch. That's what I've been, uh, that's what I've been doing the past a couple weeks since I got it. And uh, I'm, I'm really impressed. Like I figured I'd like it, um, but I, I'm liking it a lot more. Oh, and that's what I was saying. Like I just didn't expect to use the, the portable aspect of it very much at all, or the handheld much at all, but I'm loving yeah. it because Bridget can be watching something on the TV and we don't have to go in separate rooms, you know, to play a video game and watch what she wants. She can watch what she wants and I can play my game. Uh, and so I just, I love that. I love that about it. And uh, yeah, very impressed yeah. with with how well it, it goes. I'm really excited to, uh, cause I also picked, I said it already, but I picked up uh, NBA 2K18 uh, mm-hmm. and obviously I'm a huge sports gamer. So I'm really excited to dive into that one. Uh, I'm just not sure where I want to go next. Cause I was playing Master Blaster, but I definitely need to play something along with it. So I don't lose my mind. Um, and I'm not sure if I want to start Mario plus Rabbids. If I want to t- jump into um, Legend of Zelda, or if I want to try um, uh, start NBA. Now I could probably play, I, I usually play a bunch of games at once, um, but with Mario, it was basically I'm playing Mario until I beat it uh, yeah. just because I was, it's Mario, you know, I love Mario, so I was hooked. Um, and kind of the same thing with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I just had you two playing in the background and I just was trying to go through them. Um, well, so, oh, that's the thing. You were saying 150. I definitely want to go through and try playing them on 150. Yeah. What pisses me out about Mario Kart is that 
like when you're in first place, mm-hmm. you're getting shit items. Like I wish it was truly yes. randomized. I wish the items were truly randomized and they're not. And that pisses me off. Like, well, it, even though I'm like winning races, I'm just getting so frustrated even on 100 CC. Like I'm, I, you know, I was able to win gold on everything, but yeah. I didn't win every single race, but like, man, it's just like, I just get, ah, it's just so frustrating. It's well, like, it's come just, on. It's starting to create parody, right? Cause you don't want to have yeah. like, three red uh, shells around you. And then, you know, you're just cruising in first place the whole time. It's like, if you get an item, it's, you know, because you're going to get bombarded with everything. So at least, you know, you're getting coins to speed up your, your cart, you know? Um, Is that what the coins do? They speed up the cart? I didn't know that. I thought you just collected them to unlock shit. Well, you do. And what I hate about the deluxe for the or the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for the uh, Switch, is that all the yeah. characters unlocked already. I would have right. liked to see the progression of unlocking characters as you go around or as you go along. Yeah. I had I had all but one character unlocked on the Wii U version, so I wasn't too upset about that. But as someone who, if you, if you didn't play the Wii U version, I could see how that'd be annoying because it's like, well, you do unlock cart uh, parts. Yeah. But it'd be cool if you unlocked the characters like you did in Mario Kart 8 as well. Yeah, it would have been nice because I, I don't want everything at me right off the bat. Like, I want to grind to get new stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you are in a certain degree, but it's just, I like, I'll probably use those characters more knowing I just unlocked them just to see how they play, just because, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I was going to say something Which else is- and I forgot. But anyways, whatever. It's funny because I always, Mario Kart 8 and 8 Deluxe, I've, like only used Link for some reason. And I'm not like a huge Zelda fanboy by any stretch. <laughs> I was actually telling oh. Chris today, I've never beaten a Zelda game in my life. So I don't know why I chose Link, but I ha- I do. Neither have I. And honestly, I would probably play something before Zelda. Uh, <laughs> just because that's going to be a time suck. I'm over 100 right. hours in so far. Yeah. And uh, it's fantastic. I don't want to play anything else because I want to finish Zelda. But just mm-hmm. I keep getting more side quests and I, I'm slowly grinding through everything. Again, it's always at work. So I'm kind of distracted because, you know, work does yeah. have to come into that's my priority. Um, right, right. So now that, you know, it's a new year, um, new new challenges and whatnot. So I can be able to sit down more and just sit and play, which is uh, yeah, absolutely. which will be nice. But even myself with the Switch. I have to say 95% of my gameplay on the Switch is uh, portable mm-hmm. just because yeah. it's never when I'm downstairs where my uh, where my uh, oh, dock is. is. And yeah. I'd love to get a second dock, um, mm-hmm. but they're so expensive. They're, they're, they're like 90 well, bucks. Yes. And I went to Best Buy the other day and they have a, like their, their store brand, in, in, I think it's Insignia. Mm-hmm. They have a Switch dock and it's only $40. And I was reading reviews because really? I, I watched some YouTube videos and they're talking about how some of these docks- Scratch the shit like, out of your screen. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll physically like break where you're plugging your thing in. Yeah. But I was reading the reviews on the Insignia one, the one from Best Buy, yeah. and they don't have any of those negative reviews. Hmm. And so I'm very tempted to try it out because it's literally half the price, less than half the price. Because and I have ten bucks off, so yeah, <laughs> like I'm really tempted. Because me, really, it would just be when I travel. Because like I'm gonna bring my Switch with me when I go back to Winnipeg to see my niece and nephew yeah. because they loved it last time. And I don't want to, yeah. you know, not that it's a big deal, but I don't want to unplug, you know, stuff in my home console or my home mm-hmm. theater. You know what I mean? It's just it's a pain, right? Um, exactly. Again, it's like first world problems. It's really no big deal. Oh, absolutely, it, absolutely. Just, yeah. For my convenience, I'd rather have a second right. dock, even if I want to play on the TV upstairs. Then it's right there. Exactly. Because I did buy a yeah. second AC adapter, so when I'm playing at work, batteries are in it. Oh yeah. Charge it back up. Right. So I did buy mm-hmm. that. But uh, and yeah, and that's the thing about the switch. The switch, it's four hundred bucks Canadian. It's like three ninety nine Canadian. 
But mm-hmm. then, you know, you have to buy a case for it. You have to buy a screen protector. Mm-hmm. I bought the Pro Controller, which I love. Um, I bought an extra AC adapter. Got- so, like, the accessories do add up initially, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I got the, I was fortunate enough to get the pro controller along with my, with the system from my, uh, it was kind of a, a group gift from my family, but, uh, yeah, so I do have that pro controller. I actually just opened that today, uh, to play some blaster master and it feels great. Um, yeah, I definitely am planning to use it when I play NBA on the TV. Oh, even, uh, even Maricard dude, Maricard with the pro controller. Holy fuck. It's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's a great controller. So I'm happy I have it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You said something that made me think of something else, but uh, uh, I can't remember. So let's yeah. uh, let's uh, call that that for our week here. Matt. And uh, before we yeah, before we jump over to our review of next door, let's take a second here to kind of reflect some more on the year that was twenty seventeen. So every year. Just the nature of the beast. I don't see a lot of movies in the theater. I don't see a ton of movies that were released in a given year, like, you know, 2017 movies for in this instance. And so whenever we do our top five lists, they are not necessarily top five films in 2017. These are our top five film discoveries of 2017. So these are films that we watched for the first time last year. Now, they can be films that were released in theaters last year. That's totally acceptable. Or they can be films that were released 100 years ago. It it doesn't matter. All that matters is that these are our top five films that we've watched for the first time in 2017. And then, for good measure, we don't want to dwell in the negatives, but we do want to pull out our worst film discovery of 2017 as well. Yes. All right. I'm excited. I didn't write down any, like, I, I'm, I'm definitely a big note taker mm-hmm. for these podcasts, but today I didn't take a lot of notes for some really? reason. I have notes. <laughs> I don't know. I have notes. But let's dive into this. So let's start at, uh, I assume you ranked yours from like one to five, right? Mm-hmm. One being the best, five being the fifth best. Yes. Okay. So let's start at number five. Okay. What was your number five film discovery of 2017? Uh, it was uh, 2010's Clown. Uh, oh, okay. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, again, I watched this during my uh, my challenge, uh, also known as Clown the Movie, directed by uh, Mikhail Norgard. Um, this is a comedy that I haven't had a chance to watch it a second time, but it's a comedy. It's in, uh, oh, I can't recall. What, this is a draft house film. This release, is a right? draft house film release. I got it on Blu ray. Okay. Um, I believe it's Norwegian. Uh, don't quote me on that or finish. I apologize. I don't know for sure. Um, but I, I fucking, even with subtitles, I laughed my balls off on this. Um, and I kind of want to, I kind of want to back up quickly here just because I did some research, yeah. you know, to do my top five of 2017. And so mm-hmm. I went to my whole uh, letterboxed uh, diary. Thank God for that. And I actually gave mm-hmm. 21 movies five stars this year. And I wow. gave 10 movies the lowest rating that you can see of 0.5 stars. Um, so hmm. I had to pick five out of 21 films that I saw this year that I gave five stars for. And uh, this one made the cut in my number five slot. Um, now, there's another, there's a sequel called Con Forever. I hear it's not as good. I also do own it because it is an, one of the final 
draft house release films before they went to neon. Um, so I'm going to watch that sometime this year, but I freaking love clown. It's, it's so funny and absurd and language bear be damned. Subtitles can be funny. Um, I love this movie. Fantastic. Awesome. I have not seen that one, but uh, I definitely, definitely want to. So very good. Yeah. So just because uh, you mentioned that, let me uh, pull out some stats here. So I rated, I rated four films that I watched last year as 0.5 stars. So the the worst that we can do. And they were all first time viewing. So all four were eligible for uh, the uh, category of, of the worst film I watched last year. And I watched, or I gave 20 films, uh, four stars. So on our on our rate grading scale, not on Letterbox. Sure, um, sure. And uh, of those twenty, fourteen were first time viewings. So fourteen were eligible for these top five. And uh, just to note, because somebody out there might find this interesting, mm-hmm. I had. Let's see, what, what was I going with this? I watched. Yeah, how many did you watch this year? I watched one hundred and ninety five movies this year. Okay. One hundred and twenty four of them were physical. Sixty three were digital. Eight were in theaters. Um, my average year of film I watched was 1997. The average star rating was 2.7 and 80.5% of my viewings this year were first time viewings, which I was pretty happy with. So, okay. Yeah. Just some, uh, nerdy stats for those, uh, those that care. So, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, my number five. I don't remember who gave me this, but it was a film that I watched for the Best in the Backlog Challenge. And actually, I'm looking at this three, maybe four of these five films are from the Best in the Backlog Challenge. Holy shit. Wow. That's awesome. Some, That's a good to compliment to that uh, to that uh, segment. Somebody's a good picker. Absolutely. So the number five for me was 2010 also, mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh <coughs> <coughs> Yeah, myself on that the was back. you, right? Myself on that the was back. you, not Ash. There we okay, go. all right. Yeah, just fantastic. I mean, oh, it's just, it's just like the epitome of a fun film. The soundtrack is amazing. I have it, you know, downloaded on my phone, uh, thanks to Apple Music. Um, it's just, ah, oh, God, I love what I've read of the graphic novel series or the the manga series. I guess is what it is, but sure. Uh, and uh, the acting in it is just fantastic. Uh, it is hilarious. So much fun. I absolutely love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And uh, so glad I was able to watch that this year. So that's that's one of my best in the backlog challenge films. So that's number five. Awesome. I'll uh, continue on to number four, another best in the backlog film. I'm going to be really like mad at myself if all these are from you just because it's just, <laughs> just stroking your ego. But- to the left. To the right. <laughs> Clarence Carter. Oh, oh shit, Clarence Carter. <laughs> oh gosh, but number 4 was 2012's Dread. Oh, I think that's Ash. Okay, that might have been. I knew it was one of you, but I couldn't remember yeah. who. Uh yeah, so this is another one I've owned for so long and finally was chosen it for the best in the backlog challenge and it is you've seen this, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh god, this is just before I watched Dread, it was you. I always heard about people like saying, you know, which movies need a sequel, and kind of one of the top ones is if you've seen Dread, you always put Dread up in that list of one of the the movies that definitely deserves a sequel. Yep. 
And as soon as I watched it, I absolutely was in that camp. I just, I can't imagine you watching this and not being in that camp. Um, I had virtually nothing negative to say about this movie. It is over the top action, uh, just so badass in, in every possible way. Um, it is one of those films that I wish I would have watched in 2012, just so I could have been, uh, you know, singing its praises for the past five or five to six years now. Um, but yeah, so it's fantastic. Uh, so night number four was 2012's Dread. How about you? Okay, uh, I'll uh, reverse a bit here. When I said uh, I had 21 movies that I gave uh, like the highest rating, those are all movies that had were first time watches, not just over the course of the year. Um, and oh, okay. yeah, and also for Letterboxd, uh, I did not. The last email I got for the year did not have my movie total, but uh, oh, okay. with the two films I uh, that were I was not able to log into Letterboxd. And from the last email and counting up to... Can I take a guess? The 31st, go for it. I'm going to say uh, 322. No, I'm 378. Oh, damn. That's impressive. Which is the, the most I've ever watched in a year. Like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yes and no. You know, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about it later on. Right, but, right. Uh, I watched 300, more than a movie a day. Wow. So, that That's is insane. Yeah. Hmm. So with that, with that uh, cleared up, yeah. uh, my number four film for um, oh, sure. my number four film for um, best of 2017 is 2017's Logan Lucky. Directed oh, okay. By, oh, I love it. Steven Soderbergh film with Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, uh, Daniel Craig. Um, it's a it's like oceans the ocean films but this is set more in a redneck way uh it's a heist during a nascar race at a nas at the charlotte motor speedway where they're trying to uh, steal a whole bunch of money um it's fucking awesome um i only knew adam driver from star wars i never watched girls i don't know his biography or bibliography very well like his filmography i should say yeah. um he is the best in Logan Lucky. I love it. I am a Adam Driver fan now. Um, I think he's fantastic. Uh, Daniel Craig as a redneck explosives expert. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, Riley Keough, who plays uh, the sister to Channing Tatum and Adam Driver's uh, characters. Awesome. Um, Sebastian Stan's in it. Katie Holmes in it. Seth MacFarlane, Hilary Swank, Dwight Yoakam. It's a good movie. It's a lot of fun. And now, I recently watched it uh, last week uh, with uh, Melissa and uh, Adam. So uh, nice. worth checking out. Now, was this one that you saw via a, uh advanced screening? No. For some okay. reason, those dried up. I wonder why. Uh, no, I, I actually <laughs> saw that. I actually saw that in uh, Montreal when I did my month in uh, Montreal for work. Okay. Uh, I spent a Tuesday. I saw like three films at the local theater, and this is one of them. Not ex- well. First of all, I thought the movie was called Lucky Logan, not Logan Lucky. <laughs> and uh, two, it was not what I expected. I thought it was more of a race film, and it was a heist film. So it blew me the fuck away. Totally recommend it. Awesome! I'll definitely have to check that out because I uh, I know you obviously I you know you've talked about it uh, in, before, but I'll definitely have to uh, track it down. So very good. Yeah, it's on Blu-ray now. It's worth checking out. Awesome! So, All right. So what is your number three? 
My number three is another film from 2017, a Netflix exclusive directed Bright. by. Uh, I haven't watched that yet. Uh, directed <laughs> by yeah, directed by Mick G, the Babysitter. Oh God, it was so hard. Uh, spoiler: It was so hard to not put that on my top five list. Uh, yeah. It just missed the cut along with one other film, which we'll, we could talk about some honorable mentions if we want. But yeah, man, yeah. Well, I was almost going to do a three A and a three B, and okay. have the Babysitter and Better Watch Out. As the oh one, okay, uh, because it's got a similar tone to it, but mm-hmm. uh, Samara Weaving is just bloody amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I forget who the jock was in this film. I don't know who the actor is because I'm looking this on my letterbox not IMDb. But uh, I just enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Um, again, Samara, Samara Weaving, she's evil, but you're still kind of rooting for her because she's so awesome. She's the babysitter everybody wants. Um, it was a complete joy enjoying this film from start to finish. So, yeah, uh, this edged out, better watch out, but just by like a, a pubic hair. Like it barely, <laughs> it was so close, but I decided to go with the babysitter. Uh, so that is my third pick. Fantastic. Excellent choice. Yeah, that uh Definitely would have been on a top 10, no doubt about it. So very good choice. I love that one as well. My number three. So man, I'll tell you what, dude, like the top three Mm -hmm. at this morning, they were in a different order this afternoon. (laughs) They were in a different order tonight. They're in a different, like you just, the time of day, the day of the the, the week, it could be different. But this is what I'm going with for the episode here. So number three, 2017's Wonder Woman. Uh, Just loved everything about this movie uh and and i mean it's it might be corny but it's it's cultural impact was so profound i feel also Mm -hmm. and uh you know what it's helped or and just kind of what it's surrounding what it was kind of in front of of the the me too moment everything it has nothing to do with it but it's just kind of so symbolic you know you have this amazing female lead character kind of taking the world by storm and then women trying to, you know, uh, get their equal footing in, in, in the world. And it's just, it's beautiful. And uh, Wonder Woman is just so much fun. I laughed my ass off in the theater. Um, I was left in awe in the theater. Uh, it's just, wow. And, um, you know, having probably one of the top three most beautiful women ever in the movie doesn't hurt either. Um, <laughs> but she's, yeah, she's, she's brilliant. Again, and she's also one of the best parts of Justice League. Like, yeah, she she absolutely. really makes Justice League, you know, uh, bearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's she's yeah. amazing. I'm a big fan of hers. Definitely. Yeah, Gal Gadot is fantastic. And I love that she, because she wasn't given like a guaranteed contract like all the other super, male superheroes, mm-hmm. that she uh, used her leverage to uh, to get, I, th- I forget what she did. It was like to, to get somebody oh, out who was accused yeah. of assault, ba- uh, sexual assault. Bye bye, Britt Ratner. Like, yeah. He is. Ratner, he yes. yes. If they want to keep her. I, I'm not yeah. sure where the, uh, that story is, is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, good, good riddance to bad rubbish. Yeah, she's she's going to win because uh, she is the female face of the DC un- extended expanded universe. So agreed. Uh, yeah, she's fantastic. But yeah, so that's that's my number three. And again, my top three could have gone in any order, but, you know, depending on the time of day. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. So I will jump over to my number two. Yeah. This was a best in the backlog challenge film, I believe. And I, th- it was cause I'm confirming that now, but I think it was one I picked for myself. Okay. Uh, this I want, or maybe this wasn't the one that Chris was on the episode. I don't know, whatever. Uh, it was 1957's 12 angry men. The courtroom drama is about as perfect a film I've seen maybe ever. Uh, just an absolute masterclass in script writing, uh, acting, how to create tension in a fucking one room. Uh, just the, the the stark black and white cinematography. I mean, there is nothing I could possibly say negative about this movie. It is a it's taught. It's a tense not even a courtroom drama, really. Uh, it's a behind the scenes of a courtroom. Yeah, it's a, it's a question jury, so it's it's yes, a one like, film, right? Absolutely, or, or one, and, uh, uh, one setting film. Right, right. Yeah, I know what you meant. Yeah, and it is fantastic. I mean, it not only made my top five of the year; it'll likely be, it's likely in like probably a top ten of uh, favorites all time. Uh, it's it's fantastic. So number two. Uh, Sydney Lumet's, I believe, right? Yeah, I sound like an idiot if it's not, but yeah. Uh, 12 Angry Men from 1957. Yeah. So far, I've only seen the, I guess, the remake all those years later, still with Jack Lemmon. Um, oh, okay. I need to see that. I've yeah, I remember that. watching it. I, I still remember because like, James Gallofini was in it before he was in The Sopranos. Um, it was really good. Okay. And spoiler alert for next week when we talk about our, you know, Movies or must watch list for 2017. Um, I did <laughs> place that one on, so that's one of my goals. Oh, very yeah, good. So that one is on. So yeah. Um, so my second pick, or I guess second, uh, I guess silver medalist for this year. Yes. And I flip flopped. Um, I, I tried not to have all of the same genre in my top five. Um, mm. So I decided like, I needed a comic book movie in the top five. And I was okay. debating, I'll, I'll be honest, I was debating between Spider-Man and this one. And uh, my number two pick for 2017 is Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay. Yeah, directed by uh, Taika Watiti, which I've become a big fan of. I love what we do in Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. And his fingerprint is all over this film and Mm. it just made me laugh it's visually stunning i think hera is fucking awesome as a main villain like she's terrifying and sexy at the same time um valkyrie amazing new character for the universe um it's a buddy movie with thor and hulk the Mm -hmm. and, and of course Loki's in it as well my only gripe is that they revealed uh, Hulk's participation in the leading up to the film. I right, think it would yeah. have gotten a great impact if it would have been a surprise. Um, but yeah, I loved Thor Ragnarok. I I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok as well. Um, I gave that one three and a half, uh, just like I gave Justice League three and a half. So I didn't put those two on my uh, top five. Um, and I thought you were going to say a different comic book film. And so I'm, I'm very surprised. Yeah. Which one were you going to, were you thinking? Um, well, I will, uh, jump over to my number. Oh, you know what? No, hang on. 
Oh, before oh. we do number one. Okay. 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 Because that was your number two. So before we jump over to number one, let's let's get the negative out of the way real fast. Sure. That's so, a great idea. My, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start with mine here. My worst film discovery 2017 easily could have been uh-huh. Wishmaster Two, and I was <laughs> very, very tempted to put it on there because I only had four films that I rated a zero point five. Yeah, but we, I talked about that enough. I don't, I didn't want to anymore, yeah. and so instead, 2009, the remake of Children of the Corn, which I watched for my Children of the Corn. Um, I don't know if I did a series review or what I did for it, but I watched all of them. Um, And uh, yes, that movie was absolute horseshit. Um, I do. I don't like the original children of the corn. I loved a lot of the re uh, the sequels, which shocked pretty much everybody who I talked to as, and I say that, but (laughs) the original I think is one of the weaker films in that series and the only good thing about it is like the opening little uh, opening little scene, and that's what always had me hooked. And as I was when I was a kid, that what made me want to watch it. They get rid of that one good thing in the remake, and they take this in a completely different direction. That's not interesting. It has some of the most despicable, dislikable characters I've ever encountered in my life. Um, I, I wanted them to die as soon as humanly possible. It, it, the film had no purpose no point no no seemingly no end goal in mind it was just terribly acted by the um the adults weren't horrible actors but the kids were terrible actors you know shame on me for saying that about the child but it's it's not their fault it is the casting director's fault for casting them um and uh it is just an absolute abomination of a film and so that was my worst film discovery of 2017. And I do feel that that was a worse film than Wishmaster 2 as much as I disliked Wishmaster 2. So <laughs> what about you? What about you, Mark? What was your worst film of 2017? Well, like I previously mentioned, I did have 10 movies that I gave the lowest rating possible of half a star. Um, yeah. And I honestly, I probably would have given at least six out of these 10 no stars, but I wanted to record a rating. So that's why half star is my lowest. Um, I disqualified films with nudity because really, is it really that bad if there's boobies? Um, exactly. So that, that killed off a lot. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, my, my runner up, I, no, I'm not going to go runner up. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> the movie I deemed the worst film I've seen in 2017 is I'm from excited. Two, 2006's. Vampire Dentist. Holy <laughs> fuck, is it bad? It okay, horrendous. I, you know what? Check my uh, check the Cinefish uh, Instagram. It was part of my uh, Alpha Zero Alpha Challenge um, uh, DVD. Uh, I don't even know when I saw this last. I think it was probably sometime this summer. Um, it's the drizzling shit. It's fucking mm-hmm. horrible. It's it's micro budgeted bullshit. A lot of sexy girls in it. They don't get naked. If I would have seen maybe half a nipple, I would have probably uh, <laughs> taken the honor off of Vampire Dentist. No, that's not true. It's that bad. Tits will not have saved this movie for me. Um, garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. The uh, cover art on IMDb looks like a high school musical 
uh, like Photoshop rendering, and it is horrendous. It, the, the, it matches the film decor. It, it's fucking. It's, <laughs> it's filmed in somebody's fucking um, storage locker. It, it's you know it, garbage. If you want to see bad, if you're true, want to see bad cinema, I highly recommend Vampire Dentist. There you go. Garbage. Worst film of 2017. Yes. Fantastic. So. With that out of the way, I'm going to throw you a curveball real quick. Are you ready for a curveball? Okay. Curve. You're not ready for this. Curve me. I'm going to ask it anyway. Curve me. Before we get to our number one film discovery, yeah. let's, let me ask you, yeah. what was the number one, uh, how do I want to say it, book discovery of 2017, whether it was a novel, uh, nonfiction, a graphic novel, any anything that you read, what would you say- with your number one of 2017 and because i i, I throw it at you I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it i'll, I'll say mine real sure. quick while i'll let you think for me i read a ton of really good graphic novels this year and i read uh, harry potter and the sorcerer's stone which i absolutely loved but the one thing that like still is nagging at me today that i've not continued on has to be saga volume one the uh, graphic novel series it was just fantastic. Uh, and I am stupid that I haven't continued it on yet, but I absolutely will. I've been, honestly, I was holding off on buying the book, uh, waiting to see if I got it for Christmas, but uh, I did get some graphic novels for Christmas. I got Lock and Key, uh, Deluxe uh, Hardcover, uh, book one and book two. And I got the next three um, volumes, paperback volumes of Sex Criminals, which is another fantastic one that I read this year. Or rather, this past year, um, and so I have I didn't I didn't end up getting the saga um, kind of the book which contains like the first three volumes I think, um, and so I'm going to probably pick that up soon and uh, continue on with that series. But it, saga was it's just fantastic. Um, I have a very uh, lengthy review of it at cinefashions.com. So if you want to hear my kind of extended thoughts on it, definitely uh, check out the website for that. But that would probably be my number one reading discovery of 2017. So now that I've killed maybe 45 <laughs> seconds, uh, Mark, what would you say? What would you put up there as, as the best thing, at least offhand, that you can remember right now as the best thing you read in 2017? I can't say anything, to be honest with you. Oh, I, I tried okay. reading chapter one or book one of uh, Dark Tower, part of the film. Oh, Couldn't yeah. get through that. Yeah. Um, I tried to reread it. As of today, I'm only a quarter of the way through. Um I wow. honestly don't think I've read an actual book this year or in 2017. Okay. Um, so I'd have to say I have nothing for that. Fascinating. Yeah, I've been, Not what I expected. But yeah, okay. because I remember even like even last year I read a few, but this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh I'd have to say I I'd have to say not applicable. Excellent. Uh, well, hey, there we go. Now we know. That's a striker. Huh? <laughs> That's all right. You got a really That's good totally curveball, son. Really good curveball. Yeah, ball. exactly. Exactly right. You, you right. know why? Because so, I watched 370 some fucking ex- movies this year. Exactly. I don't have time. I need to no, sleep and jerk right. off. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily in that order, but yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very good. So here we are. Yes. At our number one film discovery of 2017, I kind of hinted at mine, uh, so I'll I'll jump in here if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, my number one film discovery of 2017 had to be another Best in the Backlog film, mm-hmm. 2017's 
Logan. Oh, that's me! Oh, yeah, so you had uh, a couple, yeah. a couple of them on there. The yes, first and but, last. Yep, exactly. Um, this just. I mean, it's my sound collection, but I just, I feel like it transcended a comic book movie. Like it is so much more than that. Um, it, and like I said, when I watched it, I would have been shocked if this wasn't not only one of the best comic movies I saw the year, but one of the best films I saw of 2017. And uh, it absolutely was. Um, it is emotional. The 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 dynamic and the relationship between the uh, two main characters, which I don't want to spoil anything, but that relationship is just, wow, did that pull on my heartstrings? Um, you know, just, I feel like as you get older um, and enter different stages in your life, you connect with different characters. You, you could even be watching the same movie and you'll connect with different characters uh, as you progress throughout your life. And uh, I think Watching this now, I was just able to connect with it in a different way than I would have if I watched it even, you know, five years ago. Not that I'm like a, a, you know, not that I match the the same relationship, but it's just, I think you know what I mean when I'm when I say that without giving any any spoilers away. Um, and the the ending, just some of the images that were created, I would love to have up on my wall. Um, I think I mentioned it in the review. It kind of reminds me of that, like, you know, every shot or one perfect shot or every, every shot's a painting idea. Um, ha. I, it's just such a fantastically emotional, action packed, badass, R rated uh, superhero film that is so much more than that. And I cannot recommend this enough. If you have not seen it, you are doing yourself a disservice. Uh, Logan is fantastic and i'm so glad that i watched it last year so yeah thank you mark I, for that you're the one who bought it it's it's, it's, all, it's all good <laughs> but and, and just Absolutely. a quick aside i forgot to mention uh mm-hmm. me and melissa we actually adopted a, a new cat we got a little six-month-old kitty and that's i was gonna ask i saw the picture i wasn't sure if it was a new one or somebody visiting yeah, no or you were at somebody's we, house we actually adopted a, a kitty from the auto humane society and so cute oh man so so she has a cat called logan which is based off logan because she's a big wolverine fan and uh we're trying to think of names for our new our new kitty and we decided uh on addy uh we first wanted um you know like x23 or laura but i'm like we're gonna call her cat laura you know but uh, we decided to go with addy which you know is short for adamantium so yeah so that's awesome the uh, logan wolverine theme which is kind of cool very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Such a cute cat, man. Oh, she's it's adorable. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah. It's exciting. I love, you know, our, our dog, our dog is a rescue as well. And so I think that's the best way to go about it. And really a year ago, I was allergic to cats. And now after moving with Melissa oh, yeah. in June of this year, I got used to her cat. Mm-hmm. And now this new kitty doesn't bother me at all. So, uh, good. yeah, I just got to watch out for my wires. She likes to, likes to play with wires and strings and stuff. So, Oh, yeah. I believe. <laughs> uh, I might get yeah. some room earphones Absolutely. in the future. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Very oh, good. So I'm, what is your number one? I'm nervous. Um, <laughs> this was a Cineficians, uh podcast film episode. Oh, okay. Um, oh, man. I feel like I should be able to guess it. So, but do you want to give it a guess? Nothing's going to give it a guess. 
Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to throw you a fastball. You got 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, so, honestly, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have bought. I, I think I owned this already, just because. But I wouldn't have watched it quickly enough. From two thousand, Cherry Falls. I fucking knew it. Why didn't I say uh, it? Why didn't I say I it? That was fucking... the only one that came to mind. But I was like, oh, it's not going to be that. <laughs> yes, it is that. I loved this movie. Fan Fantastic. of uh, slasher films. This spun it one hundred eighty degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, a killer, the idea of a killer only attacking virgins and then the, the school having a fucking orgy. So <laughs> they don't, so they can, uh, oh, and then Jay Moore, who never tweeted back at me or anything for, you know, as, uh, <laughs> as the fucking killer. And I'm going to spoil it because we spoiled it, you know, how many episodes ago. Right. Um, I love Cherry Falls, even it, in its butchered state. With all its deleted scenes, lost in the ether, right? Um, being a sci-fi channel original, uh, because of budgeting and whatever with the with the head office. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I fucking loved this movie. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it. I would love to see the original footage. Um, I would love to see the cut of the film. But uh, this was my this was my surprise of the year. So this had to be my top five, easily the top 10, but no, it made the number one slot. This is my gold medal of 2017, Cherry Falls from 2000, directed by Jeffrey Wright. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was is definitely an honorable mention for my, my list as well. Um, and I will say Cherry Falls is probably, we only have one film in our Cinefessions Hall of Fame, and that is uh, Pulp Fiction. Cherry mm-hmm. Falls was the closest to being that <laughs> second film that we've had out of these 117 episodes. We're all 116, so who knows what happens today? Um, let, but let, let me get it, it was it was Ash, right? Ash did keep it son out. Son of gave a it, bitch. He gave it three stars, I think. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you and I gave it four, and Ash gave it three, so it kept it out by a sliver. So unfortunately, Ugh. it didn't make it. But yeah, son of a bitch. Um, some other honorable mentions. Uh, we already talked about Babysitter, uh, but one I did want to mention, and it just crept out at the very last minute, and that was uh, Train to Busan, uh, the uh. zombie film that I watched toward the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, it's good when I put it on on my laptop, sitting in my podcast chair which is not exactly comfortable it's just like an office chair and uh i sit there for the entire almost hour and 45 minute or however long it is film watching it on my laptop like you know it's a good movie when uh yeah. and uh that one just squeaked out but uh, it was tough to keep it out but yeah that's yeah. the most notable of the honorable mentions cherry falls babysitter train to basan yeah but, i've got a few as well yeah um Again, first time watches for 2017. Uh, Action Jackson, I loved. Um, okay. The Lego movie, the original Lego movie, I liked a lot. Um, oh, wow. The, okay. The Visit. Um, I love The Visit. Yeah. It was really good. I gave it five stars. I loved it. Um, man, and these two could have been like six and seven. Um, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I fucking loved um and dunkirk was 
amazing. I feel like I remember you talking about, oh, Dunkirk, I definitely need to see too. I yeah. really want to check that one out on 4K. Yeah, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's on Netflix. It's with Elijah Wood. Um, it's directed by Mason. Oh, shit. He was, he's in all the Jeremy Solnier films, Green Room, Blue Ruin. He's a star of oh, Blue okay. Ruin. Yeah, he directed this film. I forget, Mason. Solnier or something. Well, no, it's, it's Jeremy Solnier, but it's Mason. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Something else. But anyways, um, I really dug that film as well. Um, and like Atomic Blonde, I loved. Um, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, I loved. So, yeah, it was it was hard to narrow it down to five this year. Yeah. It really no, was. it was it was a uh, it was a solid year. Oh, my, and Citizen my... Kane. Almost forgot Citizen Kane would have been my top ten oh, for sure okay. as well. So yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, no, it was definitely definitely a solid year. I think this is one of my higher overall years, our uh, average rating years in a while. So at, at two point seven average. So yeah, it was a good year. Very very positive and productive twenty seventeen when it came to uh, to our world in media. So that's always that's always a good thing. Let's hope 2018 oh, is, is just as strong. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. All right. So without further ado, let's jump over to our review for the week. We are kicking off our Scandinavian horror arc. Yeah. And today we are talking about 2005's Next Door or Neighbor, as it's called in, uh, I think that's like the actual Norwegian title is Neighbor. Yes. And they say the word... When they say the title, like how it's spelled, like N-E-B-O-R or whatever, mm-hmm. when they say that word, it comes up, as, it sounds like neighbor in the film. And so I feel like the name of this movie should actually be neighbor, not next door, but hey. I told, who, who am I? totally what am agree. I mean? It'll make sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so of course, there will be major spoilers as there always are for these films. So if you've not seen this movie, definitely pause the podcast. Track down the film, yes. which good luck because uh, <laughs> this one is not very easy to find. I only found the DVD of it, yeah, uh, and had to have it shipped third party, so I didn't have to pay like a thousand dollars on Amazon. How did you watch this one? Uh, DVD as well. With most of the films okay. in the series, the only one uh, I I own out of the five first weeks was Dead Snow. Everything else, they're DVDs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like even uh, streaming, I couldn't re- find no- next door anywhere. So I had to buy it. Unfortunately, it came, uh, uh, I think it came a couple of days ago now or, or uh, the end of last week, actually. So it came earlier than it was supposed to. Yeah. But yeah. So yes, there will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. So next door saw an original Norwegian theatrical release date of March 10th, 2005 at the Oslo Filmport Film Festival. Uh, I think it was released wide on the next day after that, the 11th of March in Norway. Um, there was no U.S. date uh, listed, whether it be home video or otherwise. So I don't know when it actually hit the stateside. Um, it was written and directed. Uh, now, this is obviously a Norwegian name, so apologies if I mess, mess it up. But I believe it is pronounced Paul Schlitauna. Schlitauna. Uh, Paul Schlitun. Paul Schlitun. I, I don't know. It's like my French accent. Yeah. I right yeah I looked it up like I did like the pronunciation how do you how to pronounce yeah. this and that's the one th- I, the one person that I was able to find say it said it Paul Schlatana oh cool so similar to that anyway so yeah uh, I'm just gonna call him Paul from here on out so I don't sound like an idiot but it's uh in the first name is spelled P and then the A has like the little circle above it mm-hmm. and then L and so I guess that's how you say Paul in uh, the Norwegian language but yeah anyway. 
That aside, it has an IMDb score of six and a half out of the 7,837 votes. It has no Metacritic score, no tomato meter score, but an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 64%. It currently holds a 3.19 out of five star rating on Letterboxd based on the 491 ratings. It had a budget of 15,155,100 Norwegian kroner, which is the equivalent to about 1.88 million US dollars. Really? That's, and it had a gross Yeah. Yeah. And it had a gross of 1.28 million dollars uh, or around that. And it clocks in at a very short 75 minutes. All right. So obviously I think this is our first time viewing for both of us for this one. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um okay. And I, I, I'll tell you what I I Never even heard of this one, have you? No, I'll be honest, I haven't. It's only by doing yeah. a little a quick Google search about, you know, Scandinavian horror that we actually picked this. Title. Exactly. Um and you know what? Yeah, that's exactly and right. And that's okay. And I think one of the reasons why that it's not as well known over here is just for the fact that uh well, I guess we'll soon talk about the subject the, the subject matter of the film. Not what I yeah. expected, but this film No is was the first film um okay so this got released in 2005 yes and it was the first film in 15 years where it had an 18 plus rating yeah which is kind of like an nc-17 or an x right yeah they and said it was only like the fifth film ever the, to have at it. that time yeah. exactly uh so i'm glad i didn't know this ahead of time so again right. if you haven't seen this yet stop this podcast exactly. and go watch because you don't want this spoiled to you this no. is this is fun. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, here we go. I'm going to be, I'm going to just say it straight up here at the front. Uh, like yeah. I didn't want to f- take notes. Like I just, my, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen for the vast majority of this. Like I didn't want to type, like I wanted to just watch. It was, well, it you sucked couldn't. me in, you know? Yeah. You need, you need to read the subtitles. Well, and you need to read the subtitles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I wrote like four pages of notes. On yeah. the second wing of this. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, first time I watched this, I'm like, next thing I know it's over. I'm like, already? Because yeah. it, it is short. It's only it 75 is. minutes. Exactly. But it's perfect. It yeah. doesn't have to be longer. Right. But No problem with the length. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say I wanted more because I think it was the perfect amount of mm-hmm. film, uh, but it flies by. Absolutely does. Yeah. So right from the get-go, I really thought this was a a great opener to kind of set the relationship. Um, and this is kind of a good example of my notes. Like I would watch the scene and then kind of comment on it um, mm-hmm. just because I was sucked in. Uh, it, it, But this opening scene, you know, obviously it sets, it turns awkward very quickly as one would expect an interaction like this to go. You know, this is uh, clearly the ex-girlfriend coming back. Um, and it's very clear that she moved on and he hasn't. Um, but we don't even get the full interaction of this, which I thought was fascinating because we kind of more is revealed later on, which is just nuts. But I think at first, the way it's edited at first, you believe that's all. Absolutely. Yes. Like, so, so like you start the film and you see this guy, and, uh, well, first of all, his name is uh, Christoph Johnner. He's the uh, actor. Yes. Yep. He plays John. John. And he's miss- uh, he's uh, meeting his, uh, I guess, recently ex-girlfriend, Anne. 
played yeah. by Cecile A. Mosley. And uh, it's an interaction of her going back to his place because they used to live together and her picking up her stuff while her boyfriend, Aki, who is played by Michael Nyquist, mm-hmm. who, to me, he's best known for the reporter in the uh, the Dragon Tattoo uh, series, the, oh, the originals. Okay. I've so, seen the original, but I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize anybody in this film, honestly. Yeah, but yeah, he well, he, he's the most well known. He was also the original uh, main bad guy in John Wick. He's oh, you know, okay. it, it's Not his seen son. Oh, you haven't seen John Wick yet? Not yet, no. Oh, dude, twenty eighteen, my friend. Um, so yeah, so he's in the first John Wick, and he's also uh, the main character with uh, of obviously Elizabeth Salander in Dragon the Dragon Tattoo trilogy. Uh, which, after watching this film, it makes me actually want to watch Dragon Tattoo Trilogy again. Because, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so so you think you've seen the whole interaction of them, just, mm-hmm. you know, her getting her stuff. Things change as the film progresses. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, you know, we kind of get the, the next scene is him, we assume is him coming home from work or something. Uh, they're on the elevator. And it's just such a strange interaction. So... Yeah, they don't. So this is when we meet uh, 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 Ingrid. Uh, no, Ingrid uh, is the girlfriend. Right. On. Yeah, on. Yeah. Yes, we meet on. And um, oh fuck, I made the mistake. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, fine. I, yeah, no, I gotcha. no, but I, I I fucked up. The ex girlfriend is Ingrid, played right. by Anna Bashwig. It's yep. on that he meets uh, he meets in the uh, elevator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My, my bad. Um, no, no, totally fine. Um, and so they don't say anything to each other on the elevator. And then as he's getting ready to go in the door, she's like, hey, can you come over and help me move something heavy? And it's like, oh, that's strange. And the whole thing is just weird because obviously we don't know what the relationship is or anything. But it, it's very clear that she knows him. And even when we meet her quote unquote sister, when we meet uh, Kim, they know who he is because every yeah. time he says, I'm John, your next door neighbor, they say, I know, but he doesn't know who they are. And so like my first thought is like, what is going on here? Because how would they have never met before? Like if they're neighbors, yeah. how would they never met? And then she, their first direction is, are you, can you move this? And he's like about to go into his apartment. She's like, well, can you do it right now? And it's like, I, just such a interesting, odd encounter in a very, you know, just a very good example of how this film sucks you in. Agreed. And and, and the way I first saw that, uh, you know, when I, on my first viewing, mm-hmm. like I thought she was very upfront and kind of pushy. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe it's just society's norms there, you know? Right. Like yeah. we, they, they don't try to sugarcoat it. I'm like, well, why can't you come now? Like they're just mm-hmm. more upfront. It just, you know, just with with just the way we just interact with each other. Right. Um, so I didn't think any of it too, too much at first, just because, again, I'm watching a foreign film. Things might be just a bit differently, you know? That's true. Um, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's how I first took it. But then I thought it was really weird, too, because, like, when he's in the elevator, he's kind of checking her out when the old man leaves the elevator. And, like, yeah. the slip under her dress is all torn. Ripped up, yeah. Yeah, so um, that I thought was kind of odd. And they don't really they don't address it. Which I find no, they, interesting. They don't. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I, frankly, in what it is is all part of the psychological mind fuck that the director is doing with not only the main character but the audience because he takes the audience on the exact same 
journey as he takes John. Yes. And I think that's what makes it so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love that like, she's like, move this cupboard or cabinet or whatever in front of the door. And then she yeah. like walks away and it's like, oh, you're not going to help him. That's nice. <laughs> well, but again, societal norms could be different. And I understand that. But, but again, it's, laugh. it's also weird too, because she's like, move the dresser in front of the door. And then he's like, oh well, yeah, absolutely. Well, how am I supposed to leave? Exactly. And, and, and she's and, like, oh, never mind. Basic. She doesn't say that, but she's like, yeah. oh, well, just come have a drink instead. But also what's weird is that, you know, she asks him to come move the dresser. But when they're at the door, they're waiting at her door because the dresser's being moved because it's already in right. front of the door. Yeah. What? No, so- you know what? I, that's so true. I didn't even think of that because I thought when they opened it that the uh, that the table and chairs were in front of the door. But no, you're right because that happens later on again. Yeah. Uh, to me, it sounds like it's, it's, it's you don't see the, the dresser cover. until, you know, yeah. whatever. But whatever the hell. Yeah. to me, it's it's like the dresser's already there. So A, no, you're right, how yeah. do you know you need to move it? And B, mm-hmm. you've already got somebody there that's moving it. So why do you need to move it back? You know? And that happens again, that same idea, because later on she comes, knocks on his door and is like, Hey, can you watch my sister? Or I can't leave my sister alone or whatever. And then he's like, Well, not my problem, and closes the door. And then she's like, Well, she's been assaulted, and that's what sucks him back in. Yeah. But it's like, wait, this doesn't work because you were already following her out of the elevator. So she, her sister was already alone. So I mean, yeah, that. It's that same idea yeah. of there something is wrong here. Something is not quite uh, truthful or not being told truthfully. Something weird is going well, on. Totally, because Anne as well. Once you know John gets into the into the apartment, uh, mm-hmm. she pours him a glass of wine, even though he wants to go back home, and right. like she yeah. pours it to the fucking like tippity top of the <laughs> glass. It's not a regular glass yeah. of wine. It's like half a bottle of wine, and that's right. where he meets Kim. Um, mm-hmm. the, well, we assume it's, it's Anne's sister, uh, played by yeah. Julia Schott and, you know, Anne's acting weird. She's acting kind of weird. It's, it's really mm-hmm. as, as the viewer, I felt as, I felt awkward as John would, like, he's not sure what's oh, going yeah. on and I'm feeling kind of the same trepidations as he is. Absolutely. That's basically exactly what I wrote down. Like, it's just, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. Like, so just being who I am, you know, I'm with him. Like, I understand, like, these are two attractive women and who knows what's going to happen here. And so it's like, I understand why he wouldn't just leave them, but it's like, fuck, like, you, we need to get out, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, we need to go. Um, one thing I loved in that scene. So the, up to this point, and you watched it um, twice. And so correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but. I think the only music we have is in the very beginning, uh, up to this point, is in the beginning when he is playing uh, one of his CDs because he's op- the opening shot is him looking at like uh, CD liner notes. Yes. And he's playing that music. Then it's silent. And the first non-diegetic music starts up. So if you don't know what that, if anybody doesn't know what that means, so diegetic music, if that's how you say that word, diegetic, diegetic, is music that is comes from the the scene itself. So music that's played on a radio in the scene would be considered diegetic. Music from a person playing a guitar in the scene would be considered diegetic. Non-diegetic music is Danny Elfman's score. Uh, you know, the, the score that's placed on top of the music that's not coming from a source that you can see in the film itself, mm-hmm. uh, in the scene itself. And so the first time that that type of music starts up is right when the, the the sisters bring up his ex-girlfriend or bring up his girlfriend leaving him 
it's like they say, um, I forget what exactly what the line is, but it's basically like, you know, your girlfriend left you or whatever the fuck the line is, something about yeah. his girlfriend. And then boom, that music starts. And that's the first time I think that we get that nine diegetic music. And that is so effective and so well done because that's really when things for me started to take a real turn toward the, toward the creepy. Um, and I did, I thought that was fascinating, really smartly done. Oh, totally. Because like he doesn't know these girls and they seem to know a lot about him. And mm-hmm. their excuse is, well, how thin the walls are. But right. he's never heard the neighbors before. Exactly. And he comes later and says, well, how come I never hear you? And she's like, well, we can be very quiet. And it's like, okay. Something's going on here. Again, a creepy so, response too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then we, we were talking about that, but I was just like, I'm so impressed by how good Anne was at getting uh, John to come back to the door after he closed the door on her face, um, saying that his sister, you know, that she was assaulted. Um, and uh, it's just like, man, I'm just like sitting there thinking like, don't fall for this shit, man. Like, this is something's wrong here. Like, don't do it. Well, I had it just fuck with. Me. I had a big um, like the, at, at this point, I felt the film felt a lot like Knock Knock that Eli Roth. Dude, film. I swear that's literally the next sentence in my fucking notes. <laughs> it's like this is a reverse Knock Knock. Yeah. Like the girl's going to get him instead of oh yeah. So so or, you know what I mean. I had, I I had that vibe watching this. And as well, yeah. I found that Ingrid and Anne kind of looked similar. Like, oh, you like know, b- bone structure wise, I found the eyes were very similar. Yeah. You know, not exact, but it just there was a there's a resemblance to them, yeah. which I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't catch that on uh, while watching it, but I could definitely see it when you when you say it looking back. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, yeah, but the, and like I said, I just, it just felt like the girls getting the guy to come to them instead of the girls going to the guy, like in knock, knock. Um, but it, that vibe, it just made me feel like having sex with them is a huge mistake. It's a bad <laughs> that's, idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I just kept thinking to myself, um, as enticing as it might be. But, um, and then my next observation was that this had to be the world's largest apartment. <laughs> Yes, totally. I wrote that down as well. Yeah. So many halls, so many different doors. Like, And obviously this is, we know as someone now who's seen the movie, looking back, this is obviously done on intentionally. Yes. Uh, and it's not a realistic interpretation of an apartment. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, a, uh, an apartment of the mind type of thing. Yeah. And it's there to fuck us up. It's there to confuse us and John. And it does a great job. Mm-hmm. No, it, exactly. Because it's kind of going with, it, with it, like, it's like a layout of his mind in a way. And all yeah. the corridors he goes through because the corridors, they get skinnier and skinnier. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's a representation of his sanity. And I think in, a, in, in some fashion. Right. Um, and then as he's going through these corridors, he finally runs into uh, Kim again, who has at this point locked him in, which again, yeah. just, it's just, it's unsettling. Like something about this whole thing is unsettling and it doesn't relent throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, it's funny because like I read a synopsis of the film, mm-hmm. you know, about how he lost his girlfriend and you got the neighbors and the way that I, I read a synopsis on IMDb, it was that it was a fantastical, um, dreamlike journey. And yeah. I'm like, 
nothing fan- fantasy wise yeah. whatsoever in this. What like horrible what, description. Yeah. What I assumed was possibly going to happen is not at all what happened next. I know. Like the reason is I, the reason I picked it is because it was talking about like these you know these two attractive neighbors trying to seduce him is what I got from it, and that's what I yeah. thought I was going to see. And I mean. I did in a way, but not at all in a way I was expecting. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where we're at now. So yeah. Kim is quite the storyteller. That story <laughs> she tells. Like, okay, that's a story. Man, oh man. Um, and at the end of it, she it's okay. So she says, come sit over here at the end. And like one part of me screaming no. Yeah. But the other part's like, oh, well, let's see what happens, you know? Oh, like, oh, 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 no. Me, the whole time, I'm thinking, don't sit beside her. <laughs> he just told you a story about three plumbers oh, doing yeah. a tour of duty on her. Oh, man. And now she wants you to sit beside her. Don't sit beside her, John. You know uh, what? Walk away. Go. <laughs> you heard the story. Get the key and, like, leave. Yeah, this is see, the point I of no like, return. I guess that's the difference between you and me. Cause I was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll see. Well, maybe, I don't well, know. Let's see what happens. The thing is at this <laughs> but, point, you sympathize with John. Oh, There's absolutely. Two harpies here, snarinating yeah. him, trying to seduce him. Exactly. He's a nice guy. Leave him alone. He doesn't need your torture sex gifts, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then now I haven't seen the movie crash, but I know it's about, a sexual fetish of breaking bones or something along those lines. I don't know. Car, car crashes, sex at car crashes. Oh, sex at car crashes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it either. Yeah. Um, and I, and so obviously I know that that is a uh, fetish of some sort of kink. Um, and so this, obviously it reminds me of that uh, idea. Mm-hmm. At least they just start beating the shit out of each other. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? And then like the thing that like got me the most was they're both bleeding from the nose and the mouth, yeah. and then they just start making out. And I was just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> like, ah, oh, it just it just if this movie just fucked with me in so many different ways, man. Like, oh, it was so crazy. Like, I was shocked. Yes, shocking. Is that you know, like she's on the bottom, he's on top on the couch, mm-hmm. right? So they're not like lying on the couch or kind of like straddling like yeah. her feet are on the floor type of thing. Right. And she slaps him and punches him to, to draw a reaction from him. Mm-hmm. But then he fucking launches punches from her yeah. fucking like guard, like full, like, like not letting out, like punching a guy punch. Right. Like, holy fuck. And then how does she respond? She starts uh, she takes this. Uh, she takes the blood and starts smearing it on her on her tits. Right, and like, she says, uh, "Do that again." Yeah, like after like the biggest punch, and it's like, "What is happening right now? Is this real life? Oh my god!" No, thank God it's a movie, but man alive. Yeah, I, I was shocked yes. by by that scene. Me like, too. You know, and like and like Kim uh, Julia shot. She's a beautiful woman. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I did not want to see her getting beaten up no, like that. No, and, no. Uh, but man, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it to me that was like, all right, now we're in a new, we're in a new part of the film now. Mm-hmm. You know, John might not be as nice of a guy as we think. Right. Yep. Exactly. You know, like, so let, let's even, say let's say that let, let's say that we're in that situation, right? Yeah. Um, where you know, a girl slaps you, you slap back. A girl punches you, you'll restrain her. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hit a fucking chick, right, John. 
didn't think twice about it. He just laid into her multiple times. Yeah. Like, all right, John is not like everybody else. That's that's the first indication right there. That John is different. Yeah, absolutely right. He's a bit different. Yep. He's a bit different. I mean, that scene, I was just literally just left staring jaw agape at the screen as they just started beating the fuck out of each other as he's like, as they're fucking like, oh man, it's, it's wild. It is fucking wild. And I think it's that scene that got it the 18 plus rating in the, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like that, that's that's the that's the scene that yeah. that sets the tone for the rest of the film. Exactly. You you don't see shit like that in mainstream film. Like you don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever no. seen anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Period. Yeah. Like it's just yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. man. And so then, um, obviously the next day occurs and he's kind of beaten. He looks like he's gotten into a fight because he has. Um, and he goes to work and then, and then he's going home and he walks past his door and I'm just screaming, no, like, do not go over there. Just go into your fucking apartment. Like, ah, this is making me stressful at this point. Well, Um, even, even before that, after the sex scene, it's a scene of him in his bathroom staring at a mirror with all the blood, like, and the blood looks bad. Blood in his face, his, his towel is covered in his own blood. And yeah. he shows us, he shows a bit of remorse, mm-hmm. you know, like, although we think, you know, the, the, the John has turned the corner a bit yeah. at this yeah. point, he's still showing remorse. Like what the fuck did I just do? Was this, was this just in a moment? I'm not really yeah. like this, like showing doubt in his actions. Exactly. And that's like my, my, my line here says like, you know, I get it. They're attractive and clearly have just given you the crazy sex you never knew you wanted, but dude, you got to stop. But obviously that's not the case as we continue on in the film. No, because that really opens them up a bit because I know if I would be in that situation, I -hmm. would not go, well, I would not go back to that door. He knocks on the door the next day. To talk, right. talk to them. To talk, I'm like, yeah. what do you want to talk about, dude? You can't re- replicate that scene. Like you, that right. was to me. That's a one-off. Don't yeah, exactly. Don't, it's like heroin. Don't trace the dragon. You know, like <laughs> you got your high. And what's really, what's really weird about that next scene uh, when they go to talk is Kim is like, you know, why did you do that or something? She's like, I punched you, but you're stronger. You could have just restrained me. And he's like, Yeah, yeah. I could have. But it's like, you just, you know, something's wrong here because she is the one who like, you know, was trying to get him to do it Mm -hmm. and then says, do that again or whatever that line is that's the equivalent to do it again, just like that. So like something is fucked up. And right before that, or maybe right after that, I don't remember, we get the the scene where he's like, hey, he calls the phone company or whatever it is and say, can, you know, we find out that there's no other phone numbers listed on the fifth floor. Um. I was just fucking fascinated by this movie at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but my next sentence is, okay, so he's turned on by this violence, which is why Ingrid left him because we find out that she he burns her arm. But once we find that out, it's when I wrote down, I have to wonder if these quote unquote sisters are even real people. Um, and so that's when I kind of started figuring it out, I guess, if you will. Um, but it didn't make it any less interesting by any stretch of the imagination. It's just like, okay, I think I know, I understand where this is, what's going on here now. Well, that's the thing is that now we get that situation with Ingrid again. She shows the scar on her arm 
And that's yeah, a it's pretty fucked. big, like, it's her whole forearm. It has yeah. a big, like, a uh, big uh, burn. It's a, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a burn scar. Um, him saying it's an accident, you kind of don't believe him at that point. No, absolutely not. You know he's capable of violence. You just saw it. Right. And yeah. for someone accidentally to burn your your whole forearm like that, that's right. that's a hard pill to swallow. No, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, my revelation or my thought that these might not be real people is not something that I don't think other people would, would get at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I felt like I discovered something. Yeah. Because if you're paying attention, so- Okay, we might have the same point. Go Go ahead. Okay. He eats dinner. Yes. Okay, good. Yes, yeah. okay. And his plate yes. has two bones, a tomato, and some peas left on yes. it. Yes. Then he goes t- next door and, um, what's her An- name? Um, in- uh, An picks up the plate that has, from her room, picks up the plate that has that exact same two bones, the peas, and the tomato. So you know this is, in fact, a figment of his warped imagination. Yeah, exact same placement. That's It's at that yep. point where I'm like, it's all in his head. Yep, exactly. Um, and that's not like a – and that's – and frankly, from that point is when it got probably even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't don't mean that to sound like it's, oh, we figured it out type of thing. I just think that's – the director wanted us to know at that point. And so now it gets even more interesting and what's going to happen next. But honestly, um, though, if you're not paying attention, you would have missed it. You could have. You absolutely could have. Yeah, you're right. But I think I, I just feel like he tie, he puts he ties enough together like oh you're the only phone number listed on that thing yeah um and uh then that the plate thing and I feel like there might have been something else that kind of made me think that but I can't remember it offhand mm-hmm. but um yeah so um and then you know what's how do you, how did you say his name Aki uh, uh Aki uh, Aki Aki yeah 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 um which he shows yeah. up and man that was just strange and when he does. I kind of like, like, whoa, I, I kind of uh, popped for that just because I didn't know that Michael Nyquist <laughs> was in the film to begin with. So oh, when okay. he was Aki, I'm like, oh, that's, this is awesome. Yeah. So I just made the movie even better for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't mm. uh, didn't recognize him. I have seen, like I said, I've seen the first uh, Dragon Tattoo movie, but I didn't recognize him. So I didn't, yeah. didn't have that same reaction. But um, I think he's he's good here. And it just really helps sell the fact that we are watching something that is going on in his head. Um, and what's weird as well is because, like, we know it's in his head now because mm-hmm. it's now on with Aki in the same room that yes. he and Kim were with. Yeah. And she's telling him the exact same thing. Exactly. Oh, and another thing I think I skipped over. Um, when – so basically, like, when the when the movie kind of flashes back to that opening uh, encounter with him and, and uh, Ingrid – we get yeah. some more out in the hallway and she's basically like starting to trying to turn him on with these, you know, stories that he likes so much. And it's like the same story that Kim was saying about these guys, these, you know, three men who came in and took her from behind and came inside her and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Very similar story. Um, oh, it, it was the same story. Like I, at, at this, at this point, like as a viewer, we know that he's, Ex- had a psychotic break. Yes. Yep. We don't know what he did yet. Exactly. But we all know that his interactions with the two girls, his mm-hmm. neighbors, are not uh, real life. Right. Yeah. Because I think like- right after that is when we get the – well, maybe it's a little bit later, but that's when we – you know, he t- opens – he turns t- from his doorway and it's just a wall now instead of uh, 
instead of the extra instead room. Of, instead of a hallway and uh, another apartment on the same floor, it's just a wall. Exactly. And, and you, even though you know it's in his head, you, you look at it and you're like, what the fuck? Because mm-hmm. you're not expecting that. Like It could have been just an empty right. apartment, but no. He, he, in his mind, elongated the apartment building yeah. and had a neighbor that did not exist. He's the only person living on that floor. Right. No, you're absolutely Which right. It's odd by itself. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. It just could be the way the building's built. Right. Exactly. Um, but like the whole, this whole thing with like Aki and everything, like I just, I didn't really write down anything. I was just kind of awestruck looking at watching what was happening and, and, you know, obviously following along cause the dialogue is subtitled and everything. Um, yeah. and then kind of the next note was Kim's body. We see she's now, Kim shows up now dead, um, and bruised to hell. And man, that makeup work was very convincing. Like that was gross to look at. I'm trying to think. Kim's body's dead. Where where was that in the film? Um, after Aki's there, there, she's like, go in there. She's right through that door or whatever. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay, yes, you're right. And uh, oh, so right before that is he's kind of connecting his apartment with their apartment because he walks in and it's his bathroom and he's like, I got that picture from my sister. Like, how do you? That's from work. How are you doing yeah. this? And then she's like, just go into that room. You'll find her. And that's when. He goes in there and, and Kim is dead, bruised, and blue. And now what I didn't understand is that, like, you know, Aki and John have a, a bit of a heart-to-heart, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Aki gives uh, John a small key, which I'm not right. sure what that represented. Uh, and, then, yeah. and then the door key, like a skeleton key. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't really know what that was either. Um so I'm not sure if there was something lost in the subtitles or whatnot. Right. I wasn't sure what that key would actually open. If it's maybe that locked to somebody's heart. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I just found that, that sequence kind of weird. It, yeah, it is. And I'm just trying to think of what it could be. And I don't really have an answer. Um, but yeah, that I did. I know exactly what you're talking about and did find that kind of strange because uh, they uh, don't really do anything with it. And yeah, so so uh, so back to the seeing his apartment stuff. Yeah. So this is where he sees the pigeons on his dresser. Right. Which makes more sense later. And then you see Kim's body naked. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, you kind of make a correlation where, hmm, well, if he's talking to Aki, it's all in his head. The apartment isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, things probably didn't go well with Ingrid at the end. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um and I don't know if I was thinking that Ingrid was dead or not. I was still thinking that he killed whoever this Kim person is because I think Kim is real, right? Like that was a real person because he has a picture of her in his bathroom. No, Kim and Anne are both a figment of his imagination because the picture of Kim in his bedroom is actually a picture of Ingrid because Ingrid had the exact same picture, but you saw Kim's picture first. But it was actually an Ingrid picture. Oh, the second time they show it, it's Ingrid. Oh, okay, that's that's right. I missed yeah, that. So, I didn't. So, so, I guess I just missed that. I guess, but yeah, that makes sense. So, 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 so to me, Kim seems to be his sexual desire. Well, mm-hmm. Anne kind of represents, you know, Ingrid as a relationship person because you don't see Ingrid getting dirty. She talks dirty to Aki, where he, you know, kind of assumes himself in the Aki role. Oh so, wait, you're talking about Anne, Anne. 
Yes, on yeah, yeah. Okay. So like, so like to me, Kim is his his sex his sexual desires, yeah. and on is his relationship with Ingrid. Right. Okay. That, yeah. that, that's what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Um, I think probably one of the stronger scenes in the entire film, especially acting wise, has to be when John's coworker comes to the door. Probably Peter. Peter. Yeah. Um, Peter. Yeah. Just the break that John is having right there. Uh, Christopher Jonner plays that scene so perfectly. Like it is just so fucked to watch that happen. It's crazy. Like him just reaching his hand out, asking him if he's real. Mm-hmm. Just, oh man, that's a brilliant scene. Well, first you see like, you know, you see a hole in the wall because obviously he made a hole in the wall to see right. if there's actually anything behind the wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he's all disheveled. The apartment is a mess. Like the girl's apartment mm-hmm. was, um, like he's he's crumbling to pieces, right? And then the whole thing of Peter going, "Hey, what's that smell?" Right, like, that one line at the very end. What's yeah. that smell? Oh, yeah. it's like, oh my god, there it That's is. That's messed up. <laughs> it really you is. realize there's a dead corpse in his apartment. Exactly. The are open, thus there's pigeons. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. It all kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Um. And then, and then right after that is when we see Ingrid getting killed. And that was just like genuinely difficult to watch. Um, that what I feel like strangulations are always so hard to watch in film. And this one was done like just very well, um, mm-hmm. in terms of how like brutal it looked in its simplicity. Uh, yeah. just fucked up, man. Fucked up big. Now, would you consider that a crime of passion? Is that a crime of passion or is it you? coming home with your wife with somebody else and then you kill the wife, that's crime and passion. I I, I don't know if this is straight up murder or not. Well, (laughs) I think both instances could definitely, you know, work, but uh, I feel like this one is probably more just not uh, more, less, less so a crime of passion and just a, yeah, you fucking told my secrets and now I'm going to kill you because I'm fucked in the head. I'm just debating if it would be a manslaughter or if it'd be like a murder <laughs> two. I, I'm just not sure, you know? <laughs> you want uh, next door to the court trial. That's what I, you're I hoping would, for? I would love to. Uh, no, he'd be criminally insane. There's no way. He'd be. Uh, <laughs> he would never get prison time. He'd be in the psych ward for the rest of his life. Right. Oh, man. Oh, man. So this, like. What a final image to end on. Like, I think he's having another flashback as he's like talking to Ingrid. I thought like they were going back to the day that he accidentally, quote unquote, burned her. Yeah. Uh, and uh, was like, you know, I'd never hurt you. Right. And then he starts cuddling up to Ingrid's dead corpse. And it's like, holy fuck. Chilling. And the pigeons. Like, wow, that image. What a stark, fucked up way to end your movie, man. You, yeah. It, man. Like you don't get that in American films. Like that's something special. And what I like is before, just before that, Mm -hmm. is that he's you've got Peter back at the door with the police trying to you know trying to get inside. Exactly. The camera pans. You see Aki dead in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and then you see him like starting to take his clothes up because he's going to bed talking to Ingrid. Right. And then panning down, and it's Ingrid Ingrid's lifeless corpse. Holy fuck! Right. Oh, and then man. scene, and that's the film. That's you know? it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. 
That's right. Short and sweet and yeah. fucking awesome. Absolutely. Uh, any other uh, things of note that you want to talk about that you may have learned? Or- Honestly, I, I was expecting more stuff online regarding the movie, and there really wasn't. Okay. Um, but even for such a uh, hard-rated film, um, it was uh, well-received by critics at the time. Okay. And uh, – yeah, so it's not like it's one of those exploitation films where you know it's a it's a it's a hard R NT seventeen and it sucks. Mm-hmm. This one was actually really well reviewed and uh, it's liked by a lot of people. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, me too. Excellent. So, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for Next Door? Um, I think we're starting twenty eighteen with a bang. I loved Next Door. Not at all what I expected. I assumed it'd be more of a knock-knock, and uh, it wasn't. Um, it felt uh, like a psychological thriller. Also, felt kind of like some Asian cinema I've seen. Okay. Um, actually, you know what? It reminds me a lot. The ending reminds me a lot of uh, fuck. What's that movie? German. It's a German film. Ah, shit. You know the one where it's got a sequel. Uh, where uh, they eat people. Uh, necromantic. This reminded oh. me a lot of Necromantic at the end. I've not seen that. Uh, but oh, dude. It, well, it's kind of hard to watch. I own it. I own the um, first one, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the second one either. But uh, in the the first well, I won't ruin the, the film then. Yeah. But I I felt the ending of Next Door remind me a lot of Necromantic. Okay. Um and that was an interesting film as well. Um, again, yeah, I love the performances. Um, I thought this film was top notch. It's the tone of the film was kind of what I expected when we started this Canadian horror movie, mm-hmm. where it might not be bloody gory, but it was going to be dark. And this was dark. And I fucking loved it. I, I really, really did. I really did. Um, so I fully recommend this movie. I would give this a solid three and a half out of four. Wow, I am. I really thought we had a four star rating going there. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's very close. Very yeah. close. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Excellent. So, yeah. Holy shit! Next door is one brutal fucking movie. It hit me in unexpected places. Has an almost terrifying mix of eroticism with violence, and just fucked with my head for seventy five minutes. Christopher Joner is absolutely fuck is an absolute fucking force in this, and I'm I'm really excited to see that he's actually going to make a return later on in this arc, um, as he plays a role in the Monitor. I don't know how big or small of a role that is, but I did notice that it was on his uh, filmography, so we'll see him again. Um, alongside him, Julia Shocked, I don't know how to say it, but the the actress playing Kim really stands yes. out to me. Um, yes. I, I admire her ability and her willingness to just go all in with her crazy sexual role. And she does a fantastic job with it. Um, Writer and director Paul uh, Schlitownen does an incredible job of putting the viewer in the same mind space as the main character. And we're left wondering what's real, what's fake, and just what the flying fuck is going on. He crafts a mind fuck for lack of a better term. And it's an, it's absolutely fascinating. I had a hard time taking notes, like I said, for this one, because I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. If this is any indication about the type of film we're going to be spending time with for the next couple of months, I am beyond excited. Next Door is a fantastically woven 
tapestry of fuckery, and I couldn't have asked for more. I'm giving Next Door four out of four stars. Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, so cannot wait to see what else has in store for us out of Scandinavia. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited for the remainder of this arc. I think uh, this is going to be a lots of fun. We're going to discover some great films. Definitely. Definitely will. Fantastic. So let's move over to round 47. 47. Besting the Backlog Challenge. So this, of course, we look at our other uh, each other's personal backlogs one week at a time. We find a film the other hasn't seen yet from their home video collection or one of their streaming services, and then challenge them to watch that before the next podcast where they give a quick review of the film. So last week, Mark, you chose 1981's Happy Birthday to Me for me to watch, and I chose 2012's Looper for you to watch. So I will jump in real quick. I don't have too terribly much to say about this one. Um, I heard a ton of things about Happy Birthday to Me. Um, a ton of good things, I should say, about this one, which is why I ended up picking up the Blu-ray release from Mill Creek Entertainment. Interestingly, this Blu-ray is actually a double feature, also uh, featuring the original When a Stranger Calls, which I think is just a terrible movie. But <laughs> um, I decided that the 5 or $10 or whatever I spent on this was obviously cheap enough for to justify the purchase for Happy Birthday to Me Alone. Well, the bright side... After watching Happy Birthday to Me, uh, is that I can easily get rid of this disc from my collection because it houses two movies I'll never care to watch again. (laughs) So this movie is about a group of friends that start disappearing one by one. It's a slasher film, obviously. Uh, They all go to Crawford Academy, which is this like exclusive school filled with a bunch of rich kids. Um, Our main character is Virginia, who eventually starts freaking out because all of her friends are dying. Um, there's a bunch of red herrings and then this ridiculous ending that you couldn't possibly see coming because it's about as nonsensical as it could possibly be. Uh, happy birthday to me will definitely surprise you with the reveal at the end, but that's just because it's so far out of left field that no one could possibly guess what's going on. This type of reel doesn't make for a good slasher film. Um, in my opinion, at least, you know, what, what I do look for in my slashers is almost completely missing from this film there's almost no gore worth talking about there's no nudity and there's just no fun to be had here it's a boring overlong film it's a slasher film that clocks in at an hour and 50 minutes let that sink in for a minute um and it just moves it moves along at a snail's pace i didn't care about any of the characters and i just wanted it to end the only thing that i can say about this positively is yes the ending was unexpected but even in that compliment i have problems uh, that I don't want to get into too much because it'll start getting into spoiler territory and I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to leave it there. So unfortunately, happy birthday to me just uh, didn't do anything for me. So I'm giving it one and a half out of four stars. Ooh. Yeah, not a fan. Have you seen that one? I have, but a long time ago. And oh, okay. I was actually going to um, rewatch it for uh, the Alpha Zuda Alpha Challenge. And yeah. uh I'm watching it. I'm like, fuck, I've seen this already. So I had to stop. (laughs) So so I don't remember the ending. I remember the beginning where they're at the bar and there's like the, everybody's got a fucking scarf. Um, Yeah. But I don't remember the end. Oh, speaking. Um, uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, surprisingly enough, the Mill Creek Entertainment Blu-ray actually looks really, really good. So if you do like this movie, it's a cheap Blu-ray and it would definitely be worth worth the price that they're asking for, which is probably less than 10 bucks. 
No special features, but the transfer looks good. So yeah, yeah, I have the DVD. Yeah. I think Anchor Bay released it, if I remember correctly. Okay. So I don't think I'll need to upgrade. Yeah. But uh, yeah, actually, I was going to say something, but I'm going to save it for next episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with my uh, film uh, of the week here. 2012's The Looper, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, who directed... Ryan Johnson. Yeah, who directed uh, The Last Jedi recently. So... Hell yeah. I did not know that. Um, Looper was interesting. I actually really liked it a lot. Um I was kind of creeped out by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Bruce Willis makeup (laughs) 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 because that bottom jaw is, it could be distracting. Um, There were scenes where his eyebrows were definitely distracting because I did watch his Mm -hmm. Melissa. Uh, But I really dug this film. Um, I like the idea of killing your own self in the future, but you still having 30 years to live your life when you stop being a contract killer. Um, I don't want to get into too many details just because for those who have not seen this, I don't want to spoil it. But right. um, for a sci-fi flick with an original concept, I really dug it. The idea of all these loopers using blunderbusses, I thought was interesting. Um, did not expect to see Emily Blunt and her storyline enter the film. Um, mm-hmm. I th- honestly, I thought it'd be just a chase film, which in a way it is, but at the same time it isn't. Um, and it's kind of funny. I had a, a bit of a science feel to the film uh, just because of the whole third act in, you know, like a, uh, on a farm. It felt kind of sciencey to me. <laughs> I don't know why. It's <laughs> That's just, funny. Um, but I, I, yeah, I really liked it. I thought everybody's really good. Um, this isn't really a Bruce Willis film. It's really a Joseph Gordon-Levitt film, um, which yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I expected to see more Bruce Willis and I didn't, which again, isn't always a bad thing. Um, so I, I love Jason Gordon-Levitt though. I think he's too. fantastic. And you know, does. and I own Brick that's also directed by Ryan Johnson and stars Gordon-Levitt. So that's mm-hmm. another film I want to watch in the near future. Um, but yeah, I dug the film. I give this uh, three out of four stars. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, I watched this when it was like new on home video and I, Man, I remember so little about it, but guess what my IMDb rating was out of 10? Out of 10, I would say probably a 9. Yeah, you nailed it, sir. Boom, I'm hitting him. You nailed it. Yeah, I know, but I just, I don't remember, I don't remember why or what. I just remember it, I really liked it when I watched it. Well, it's original. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. Like, you're immersed into this world. It's it's Mm -hmm. well, well made. Yeah, it definitely Mm. is. Good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I apologize for giving you such a shit film. No, no, not at all. Not at all. A lot of people like that one. So I'm just uh, one of the minority on that one, I guess. But. You kind of love them all, right? Exactly. So now next week, we, we need to figure out what we're going to watch. So yeah. I found one for you and I'm hoping you haven't watched it yet. Okay. And if you have, I'll have to change it. But have you watched 1986's trauma classic, Class of Newcomb High? Have I? Have I? Have I? Class of Newcomb High. I'm trying to think if I did or not. Give me two seconds because those trauma films kind of all merge together. I know I've got like two, three, and four. Yeah. I'm wondering if I saw the first one. Well, I'll uh, tell you what. If if you when you you can figure it out, and if you have, just go to the next one. Whichever the okay. first Class of Newcomb High you haven't seen is, just pick that one. Okay, I'm just going to check right now for our yeah, listening for audience. It. According to this, I did not. Okay. 
So I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it. Yeah. If I have if I did see it, because there's a chance that I might have, unless mm-hmm. it's Toxic Avenger. I believe I might have seen it. If not, I'll do number two. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Which would be Class of Newcom High Two Subhumanoid Meltdown from '91. Perfect. And I, I'm which, shocked you own them all on Blu-ray, actually, which surprises me. That's awesome. Wasteland. Trauma had a table. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's a very good chance it'll be Nukem 2, but uh, I will, uh, I'll let you know on Twitter. Sounds good. Either way, I'm excited yeah. to hear your thoughts. So perfect. So what, sir, will I get to watch for next week? Well, it all depends on what you gave me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so mine was positive. I, I like Troma. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> again, Wasteland purchases, you know, you're drunk. Uh, so I found a double feature disc Uh-oh. that uh, seems to be up my alley. Um, so there's two films. Um, now keep in mind, I, I'm I keep gonna... them on my unwatched pile. Even if, if there's one of like five films on the list, but there's still yes. one I haven't seen, I keep it unwatched. So I may have seen one of these. Who knows? But well, we'll find uh, out. You know what? This is a Vinegar Syndrome film. Oh, then I haven't seen the, it. According to the studio, um, I've got from 1971... Uh, it's a double feature, so I'll let you pick the one that sounds the best out of these two. Okay. I've got The Altar of Lust. A psychiatrist probes deep into the erotic traumas experienced by a young woman who has turned to lesbianism. <laughs> or Angel on Fire, which I think this one's the winner. After dumping his pregnant girlfriend, an arrogant chauvinistic is hit by a van and reincarnated as a woman. You know oh, what? Fuck man. it. You're watching Angel on Fire. <laughs> okay. I had I had I got up real quick to go grab it because it's right in this room here. So yes, Angel on Fire from 1974. It looks like uh, fantastic. 2018, baby. <laughs> Angel on Fire. <laughs> That's awesome. I was totally going Vinegar Syndrome for you as well, and then switched oh, really? my mind at the last minute. So. Oh, Vinegar Syndrome trauma. It's all in the same sub level. So you know, whatever. But, Speaking of Vinegar Syndrome, they just released a uh, Blu-ray set that actually had five. Yeah. So they released two. The first one has five like sexploitation films that were yeah. only previously on DVD. And the other one has kind of five horror-ish films. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if this is one of those that are on there, but this is definitely the type of thing that would be on that on those new Blu-rays. Uh, possibly. I'm not sure if they are or not. Um yeah, I'll at Wasteland. I'll see if they have them. I tend to not yeah. buy Blu-rays from Amazon uh, from as Vinegar from their website just because it's so much more expensive for me. Because I it paid is. almost forty dollars with exchange rate and shipping for Psycho Cop Two. That's crazy. Which I would have only paid twenty US if it was at at Wasteland. So right, if it's at yeah. Wasteland, I'll pick it up. You know, I would love to get Ice Cream Man. Um, but yeah. I, I'm not going to go on their website and pay shipping with the exchange and like paying full price. It's not worth it. I think it was like 29 on their website for Psycho Cop 2 when it got released. Mm-hmm. And like I had buddies that weekend at Wasteland because I couldn't make it because I was in Dominican and they paid 20 cash and I paid fucking 40 Canadian. So ooh, wow. I love that movie. Yeah, that's I don't know if I paid 40 Canadian for it. Yeah, I ended up passing that because I think I owned mo- the majority of the ones on like the the, the slasher yeah, one, basically like the soft core. Oh, um, oh, and I owned. I think I owned some. I, I don't think I owned any actually of the slasher ones, but I just didn't 
didn't want to spend the money right now, so I didn't buy any of them. Yeah, but. I think I want one or two on yeah. the slasher one, so I'm like, I'm not going to double dip. Okay. Not for a vinegar. Yeah, exactly. I love them. Right, not for these. But yeah. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's, you know, it's it's like, oh, well, I got a whole stack of vinegar. And then you like, oh, I got to watch this now. Like, Psycho's and right. Love is just not, not my cup of tea, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So just as a reminder, I will be watching 1974's Angel on Fire and Mark, you will be watching uh, potentially 1986's Class of Newcomb High. And if yes. you've already seen that one, it'll you'll move on to Class of Newcomb High 2 from 1991. Yes. Fantastic. And just, uh, I didn't even go over this with you, um, Mark, at the beginning here, but for our listeners, if you guys have any ideas for something that can replace this segment, we would love to hear them. So at the end of this arc, the very last episode of this arc will will mark uh, round 52 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge, which means we'll have done a full, obviously it went longer than a calendar year, but we'll have done 52 weeks, which is a full year of this segment. And so yeah. I would really like to switch it up just <laughs> to find something different, you know, to talk yeah. about something different. And so if any of our listeners have any uh, great ideas for a segment that they would like to see on the show, maybe taking the place of the best in the backlog challenge. We would absolutely love to hear about that. So please hit us up on Twitter uh, at Cinefessions or email us at contact at Give us some ideas. Uh, you'll definitely get credit for that uh, inspiration if we choose to go that route. So uh, it's something to keep in mind and, and Mark, something for you to keep in mind too, if you have any ideas kind of brewing. So mm-hmm. definitely want to switch it up when we head into the next arc, whatever that next arc might be. So Sounds good to me. Fantastic. All right. So before we log off for the first episode of 2018, we are getting a little long here, but that's how life goes. Let's talk about our media goals for 2018. So first, let's recap 2017 real quick. Okay. So mine, I succeeded on all four of my five goals. Uh, We released at least 41 podcast episodes, released 43 total. Uh, listened to at least 26 full previously unheard albums. I way more than that. Uh, last year was a banner year for me in getting back into music. So I was very happy with that. My goal, which is why I set that was to kind of listen to full sound, uh, albums. And that's really what I have begun doing. And I love that. Um, number three was watch at least 52 unwatched Blu-rays slash DVDs for my collection. I finished with 76, so I definitely beat that one. And then number four, beat at least five video games. I did 10 last year, so I doubled that one. So I was very pleased with myself. The one I didn't complete was the 26 graphic novels or 130 issues. I only ended up doing about half of that. I did 60 issues or 12 graphic novels, so just about half of that one. So I went four for five this past year. So how about you? How did your 2017 goals shake out? <laughs> okay, so first one was to watch at least one Netflix TV series a month. Yeah, which... you started off so cute, so easy. It's like, oh, this will be fun. And then... Oh, but it was <laughs> fun. I, I watched uh, I watched a lot of Netflix television. Um, and I would say for the most part, it was really good. You know, I saw yeah. all five seasons of House of Cards. Um, I mm-hmm. saw two seasons of uh, Hemlock Grove, uh, all the Marvel stuff that came out last year, minus Punisher, which I haven't finished yet. Um, mm-hmm. We did Glow. Um, I did uh, I did the, the Santa Clarita Diet, which was a surprise for me, which that should be coming out soon this year now. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, it's two seasons of Glitch. So I exceeded my 12 seasons. Um, Hell easily, yeah. Easily. Uh, my next challenge 
was at least one uh, film at the theater a month, which I surpassed uh, with Flying Colors. Um, total number, I don't know. Um, maybe if I bought Letterbox Pro or something, I'd get those stats better. Uh, but uh, I, I kept track, but I don't have like a, a tally available for me. Uh, December yeah. ago, I only saw the one film. So like I really had to push it because that was just after Christmas. So mm-hmm. I was kind of teetering close to the to the brink there. <laughs> uh, but I did see, I must see at least 30 films in the theaters this year because some days I did triple marathons or triple features. So yeah. Wow. I, I did good. Yeah. I only did eight in theaters this year. So, <laughs> which actually I think is more than last year or more than 2016. But yeah. yeah. Oh, this year was the most I've ever been to the theaters and okay. the concession yeah. bill can show it. <laughs> um, uh, and obviously the, my big challenge this year was the Alpha, the Zuda Alpha challenge. Which is where I, things went crazy for you. Well, it, it, honestly, I again I finished it with two days to spare, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I had, uh, well, I um, my Z film will be posted later on this week here, which is Zombie High on Blu-ray, because I had two movies uh, for Z on DVD from this like Mill Creek um, collection. One was okay. called uh, Z- Zombie. Zombie Flesh Eaters. Another one was Zombie Something Else. So I mm-hmm. popped the first one in. I'm like, fuck, this is, uh, this is the Ghost Galleon, which is the uh, 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 Tomb of the Blind Dead 4. So I've already seen oh, that. right. Yeah. Right. And then the other one, Zombie Flesh Eaters or whatever it was, is like, this is House by the Cemetery. This is a Fulci film. So yep. I couldn't pick um, that yeah. one. Like, <laughs> fuck. Um, so I had to pick a, a Blu-ray to finish my DVDs. But um, yeah, I would never do a challenge like this again because it started. Right. It's 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 fun, but it became a chore. And then the fact that I wrote reviews for every single one of them became a mm-hmm. bit of a time suck as well. Which awesome right. for content on or you know Instagram, um, but well, yeah. I, again, it's a, a bit of a time suck. So um, I don't think anything will surpass this challenge I did this year, uh, or last year this year, like. Uh, Honestly, I, I really don't want to do challenges this year because I think what we're doing mm-hmm. podcast-wise is enough. Um, but like you curveballed me, um, I, I don't think I've read an actual book this year. I have bought a ton. If you again look at the Instagram, I bought a <laughs> shit ton. So, um, yeah. Do we want to talk about uh, our challenges for the new year? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. So, uh, I'm not doing a movie challenge. Uh, actually, no. Let me rephrase that. Um, okay. I'm going to start with reading. I want to read more. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I I just I haven't been reading a lot of website stuff, a lot of blogs, just not books. So I don't want to put a number on because like, I don't want to give myself a fucking deadline and like I got to read 10 books and then it becomes a crunch and it's not fun. So right. just my goal this year, since I haven't I, I can't recall reading an actual full book last year, <laughs> I might have read one or two. I just can't recall. What was that um, one that you read? Uh, the guy sent it for a review. Was that that was that was two years ago? Was it? <laughs> yeah, Man, I'm pretty it sure just melts meshes together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was two years ago. Oh, and if authors, if you've got books you'd like to have us review, please send them. I'd be more than happy to uh, to read them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this year I'd like to I'd like to read more. Um, so once I, and I am going to count. Pardon me. I'm not going to count it as a book this year because I started the last fucking uh, summer and oh. I'm only a quarter of the way. 
So I'm going to start my tally after I finish it. So I am going to finish the book. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to start my tally of new books for 20, uh, for 2018. But um, so my goal is to read more. So I will, when I get to new books, I will post uh, on Instagram, Twitter. I'm also going to use Twitter more this year. Now that there's more characters, it's a lot easier to f- have complete thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I will be using Twitter more uh, this year than I did last year because I really kind of disavowed it last year. So, so challenge one for me is to read more. Uh, graphic novels, books. I'm going to try to stick to more novels, but I might slip in a few graphic novels because I got a few that are piling up um, as well. Um, I barely played video games last year, um, especially since June when I moved in with Melissa. My video gaming has really got, uh, fallen off the charts, uh, minus just playing Zelda at work. Mm-hmm. So my goal this year, again, I'm not putting a number, but just to play more video games. I've created a backlog of games on the Switch. I got a fuck ton of games backlogged on the PS4. And with Black Friday, I got a whole bunch of games in the mail. So my goal is to game more. So as well, I will post stuff on Instagram and Twitter. I won't flood because it gets boring. Like, oh, this week I beat this level. But I am going to throw some progress uh, posts once in a while. Because I won't be posting as much now because I don't have something for almost every day. So I'll still be posting maybe three or four times a week. Just not seven days. Um, and as for a third challenge, I don't, ah, third challenge. I'll tell you this. I've become a big fan of the Kino Lorber, uh, back catalog. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've probably in the, I've got some, uh, orders coming in from Kino Lorber. I've probably bought 50 titles from Kino Lorber this year with their sales. Um, so I'll tell you, I'll give you this as a movie goal. I will do one Kino Lorber review a week. So okay. at the end of the year, I'll have I'll have reviewed fifty-two Kino Lorber uh, movie releases. So I'll I'll do the movie. I'll check out the special features. That'll be my third challenge. Very so good. End of the year, fifty-two. Perfect. So you got fifty-two. Uh, 52 Kino Lorber reviews yep. for 2018. Yep. You're going to read more. Yep. And you are... I'm going to game more. Game more. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Good. Those are great. Yeah. That's perfect. And I feel like that's exactly what you needed after your crazed 2017. And, and that's the thing. Like th- That challenge was interesting because I really watched a lot of my stuff that I own. Mm-hmm. But when m- watching movies becomes a chore, it's just not fun. Yeah, and exactly. I find that some of my reviews might have reflected my choriness <laughs> to, to the task. Because honestly, I didn't want to fail this challenge and I didn't. But it was right. a fucking struggle. What what hurt me a lot was not doing two Netflixes and doing that Midnight Pulp. That was a hard pill to swallow. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of shit um, that I watched there because I was, you know, restricted to a letter, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, um, th- that kind of hurt me a bit. That 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 really took more time than I expected. But again, I saw some great stuff. I saw some shit. Life goes on. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So my um, goals. It, it's all for fun, right? So I mean, it's not yeah. any anything taxing or anything like that. Um, but just things I'm hoping to kind of do. And I feel like you know, last year I was really starting to get into music, and so that's why I really wanted to put that. Uh, you know, music goal on there. And it really six, I really did exactly what I was hoping it would do. And it's just spend more time with music. 
Um, and that's what I did last year. So I was very, you know, thrilled with that. Um, was able to be introduced to some bands that I hadn't heard previously and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, this year, um, my first one, uh, this kind of the, uh, the podcast related one, I just, I want to release at least 40 podcast episodes. Um, we did that last year with no problem. So I'm hoping to, uh, to complete that again this year. Um, and then outside of that, I want to complete at least four adult or young adult books, uh, fiction or nonfiction. So last year I focused on graphic novels. Um, and this year I kind of, kind of want to focus on actual novels, um, and so that's why I have that one. So that's just one a quarter. So, you know, I don't read quickly. I don't read a ton. Um, but, you know, anything to kind of get that going is is the goal. And so for adult or young adult uh, books, and they can be fiction or nonfiction, doesn't matter. So either or. Uh, my next one, this one's a little more specific than I normally do, but something I've been wanting to do for quite a while. I This is one of my favorite series, video game series. Um, my sister and I used to play the hell out of it back in the PS2 days. Um, and I just, I've never completed the entire series. There's only three games in it and I want to beat them. That is the time splitters series, which is a first person shooter series from free radical. And it's fantastic. Uh, I love the series. And so I just want to spend the time with it, um, and beat those three games. So I'm going to beat the time splitter series. Have you played those games? No, I haven't. I, oh, okay. uh, I you know, I, I kept seeing those like, uh, ads and reviews in magazines <laughs> And yeah. I didn't think the graphics ever looked any good. So I never, it never oh, really yeah. wasn't anything for me. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. I love those games. Uh, and then next, obviously I am a huge sports gamer. Um, and I, it's just what I like spending most of my, the, my time playing. And so I have a goal this year to beat five sports games on consoles or PC. Uh, kind of a secondary thing with that is I would love to do one in each in, in like the five major sports, you know, soccer, football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not necessary. Just beat five sports. Games. And when I say beat, I mean, win whatever, like win the Stanley Cup, win yeah. the Lombardi. Yeah. Win the championship for each of them. Uh, so beat five sports games on console or PC. Um, and then I want to end 2018 with at least 80% of my 4K movie collection marked as watched. Ooh. Yeah. So if I only end, if I only have 20 movies, then I just have to have watched at least 18 of the 20 to succeed in that goal. Uh, whatever, however many I have, I have, I want to have at least 80% of that watched because I want to keep up on that. I don't want my 4K collection to get out of hand like my Blu-ray collection did. So word, trying to keep up with that. And then last but not least, and this is something that we're going to talk about more next week, but I want to watch at least one film off my personal Cinefessions list each month. And so uh, next week, we will go uh, over and update our personal Cinefessions list, which of course, uh, we're actually going to expand it to 12 films again. Um, and so we'll have one for you know each month of the year, however you want to do it. That's why I'm going to look at it. Um, yeah. And so that will be it. So complete four. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's a good one. I'll add that one as well. Okay. Yeah. I I think we all should, I think all three of us or four of us or six of us, depending how the podcast evolves, I think we should should all have that challenge. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Definitely. So, yeah. So, um, as, uh, Mark was hinting next week, (laughs) we uh, might have the return of one of our, our good buddies, our long lost brother in action. And so we'll see what happens there, but uh, it's looking very positive. So we're really excited about that. Um, But yeah, 
Uh, so, and that's why we're waiting to do our personal confessions list for next episode, just so, you know, they can be involved as well. But yeah. So complete four books, adult, young book or young adult, uh, fiction and nonfiction books, beat the Times British series, beat five sports games on consoles or PC and 2018 with at least 80% of my 4k collection marked as watched, watch one film off my personal confessions list each month and released at least 40 podcast episodes on Cinefessions. Uh, and so I do have like some secondary goals that I'm kind of keeping just to myself um, as other, just kind of like minor things I'd like to do as well. Like, um, for example, I kind of want to branch out in my video gaming a little more than I have in the past, uh, you know, try some things I haven't played. Um, and then just like some more uh, personal things as well. Um, but media related, that's what I'm looking at here in 2018. So I'm excited. Should be a good year. It will be. It will be. Absolutely. So that is going to wrap things up for this week. We thank you Woo! guys for sticking with us on this long return episode of 2018. And again, next week we are going to be back. Uh, remember, we will be discussing uh, an update to our personal cinefessions list for 2018. We are going to review Coldplay from two. Yeah, Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> Coldplay from 2006. And like I said, we perhaps maybe might be having a return of one of our co-hosts. So definitely check us out next Friday, January 12th to find out more. So as always, if you have any questions for us here at the podcast, hit us, hit us up on Twitter using that hashtag in film we trust for any questions you might have for us. Again, tweet at us using that hashtag in film we trust. And if you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening to us. Positive reviews help us reach a larger audience. So really appreciate you taking the time to leave us those reviews and telling your friends about the show. And another reminder, you can always find us on social media. We love interacting with you there. You can find us uh, at Cinefessions on Twitter. Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all four of those platforms. And Mark, remind our listeners where else they can find you online. You can find me online on Twitter at Mark underscore Nadeau. That's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. As well on Instagram and on Letterboxd at M-Nadeau02. That's M-N-A-D-E-A-U-02. Fantastic. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And I'm also on Letterboxd under that same name. And also, as we mentioned, please head over to cinefashions.com to help us choose which film we're going to review for the sixth and final arc, rather, sixth and final film of this arc. Yes. Um, and so you can choose between Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead, Troll Hunter, Fail, or let the right one in. And if you're interested in what those are, you I have a post dedicated to that poll where I kind of give a little bit uh, more information on what each of those films are if you're unaware of what they might be. So definitely give that a look and uh, give us a, the answer on that poll there. And uh, we'd really appreciate it. Help us decide where we go for week number six of this Scandinavian horror arc. Yes. All right, Mark. 2017 was fantastic and 2018 starting off even better. So I'm excited as hell. We're going to the moon. <laughs> You're the cheese. Oh, oh, I sure hope so, man. I love cheese. So I'm, oh. I'm hoping. But all right. So as always, thank you for listening to episode 117 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.